is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks, Speedy Petey, and Tyler Harrison. Tyler Harrison. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, a full week with no sports loudmouths, and we are back. And yes, Tyler Harrison is in the studio. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website Again, at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I, I know everybody is probably looking at my head. I am not wearing a hat. No, I lost a bet to, yes, snug the cat. So I've lived up to my bet. I am wearing Speedy's old underwear on my head for the show. It is itchy. He he did claim that they wash he did wash them so they will be on my head throughout the show so yes I live up to my bets anyway Speedy how was your week I know you were at your bro- your family's house hanging out with your brothers uh, did your dog sniff anything uh, the, no but he tried to he tried to hump my brother Dylan once mm, that's good <laughs> yeah he's he's weird do you like think that. he'd be attracted to Tyler uh, uh, probably you think so yeah. His, stand- think he would hump his standards. Tyler? His standards aren't very high. <laughs> his standards are not very high. He, as long as he gets attention, he doesn't care who his it's from. Standards aren't very he just high. wants attention. He just want, does not want to be lonely. I mean, I could have the biggest bedhead in the world. He still want to see me. Could you imagine Tyler with your dog? Do you think? Do you think they would get along? Do you? Do you think Tyler? I would imagine so. Really? He's he likes people. Do, yeah, does he? Does he, he likes he, people. Do you think he would sniff Tyler's crotch? Mm, I unless. I doubt it unless he takes his pants off or something. <laughs> Tyler, would you take your pants off for his uh, his dog? I don't know why I came back here. <laughs> I should have stayed away. <laughs> Anyways, at 10 o'clock, we will have former Packers, Panthers, and Seahawks guard Mike Wall. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about free agency, which is coming up in the NFL in less than four weeks. Uh, some some conversations on where Aaron Rodgers could go, and there are stories coming out that Aaron Rodgers might not be broken up with his fiance. I mean, it's back and forth banter. I, I don't know what is true and what is not. Uh, so that's a huge story right now, not only in the NFL but in the movie world, or I guess you call uh, the Hollywood world. But um, anyways. Um, We'll get into the off-seasons for the Jets and the Giants and the Patriots, too. There are some stories coming out uh, from New England and what the Patriots are going to do in the off-season and how they're going to move forward uh, with no Josh McDaniels. Uh, There are stories coming out that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have reached out to the Las Vegas Raiders on Derek Carr Mm -hmm. and what it will take for Derek Carr to be traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in the next couple of weeks. 
Uh, I guess Josh McDaniels is not a big fan of Derek Carr. I think he's an idiot, but that's just my opinion. Um, we will get into that. Uh, we'll get into this whole sweepstakes. Yes, the sweepstakes of Aaron Rodgers. And where is Aaron Rodgers moving on to? It doesn't look like he's going to be staying with Green Bay. Everything that I've read, everything that I've heard, is he's going to be looking at two to possibly three teams that are in the running for him. So we'll get into that. Uh, what's up, Nithin? Uh, so Nithin is over here, a.k.a. Uh, Mr. Knee Man. Or, uh, what, what, what are you looking at? Why are you making faces over there? What the hell is that? The Knee Man. Like he likes knees? <laughs> he likes getting on his knees like no. you. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Nathan. You know why. Ah, anyways, uh, oh, boy. we will get into, obviously, the Michigan, yes, the Michigan Wolverines debacle. And you all know who I'm going to be talking about. Jawan Howard getting suspended by the Michigan Wolverines. If he wasn't going to get suspended by the Michigan Wolverines, I'm sure the NCAA were going to suspend him. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. <laughs> Josh, naturally on Twitter, uh, Wisconsin fans think, think, thinks he should be forced out. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. well, that's, it figures from a Wisconsin fan. So uh, we will get into the whole Jawan Howard thing. Uh, we will get into basketball as LeBron James speaks at the All-Star Game. We'll get into that horrible dunking contest. And, and I, I give a shout-out to Obi Toppin for winning the dunking contest. But to, be, to beat that slew of idiots, I, I mean, it's not saying much. Uh, he did have the best uh, slam dunks. He did. He had the best, more quality dunks. It doesn't really stand out for much of anything. But, uh, you know, obviously, Obi Toppin wins the slam dunk contest. He's the third New York Nick to win the slam dunk contest. So we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into the three-point contest with Carl Anthony Towns winning. And uh, it's not surprising to me why Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best big men, one of the, one of the best big men shooters in the NBA. So uh, not surprising that he won. We'll get into the All-Star game and what LeBron James said before the All-Star game that he wants to play with his son. I told everybody that he will, when his son some way or one, one of these next couple of years goes into the NBA, gets drafted by an NBA team, he will play with his son no matter where he goes. If he goes to the Knicks, if he goes back, if, if somehow the Cavaliers have the number one pick, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs get him. Uh, but one of these, whoever gets him, okay, see, wherever he goes, he's going to play with his son. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, what is what is Nathan saying over here? Nathan is saying, where do you guys think J.C. Jackson will sign? That's a good question. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Uh, ben also says, uh, Jawan Howard needs to be fined, fired, and banned by the NCAA. Who said that? Ben. Uh, well, uh, don't say that to Carl. Carl will jump off a freaking cliff. Yeah, come on. Uh, Carl, what's going on with your Wolverines? They're going to be in a bit of trouble. They, not that they weren't already. They were not having the season that people expected them. So. Well, I, I mean, after what, what they had last year, you, right. you would have thought that they were going to come out strong this year. Uh, most of their class coming back, and, and you expected that this team was going to be uh, an NCAA Final Four contention team. And I, I still think they could because if somehow they get into the, the, the dance, anything could happen. Well, the they've dance. gotten into the bubble team a lot in yeah. the past like five years. They had a start, I think they won a 10 seed. They had won. They were a, they were a play-in team, one of the, and then they made it all the way to Sweet 16 before they lost to Oregon. So they've had stretches like that, but recently they've been a top three. So it's definitely I like it for them. Yes, and I, I still think the Michigan Wolverines can make it to the March Madness. And if they get into the March Madness dance, they can win everything. And, and there's no question. Remember, you one game elimination, anybody can win, anybody can lose. Uh, they're not playing good basketball right now. The last five games, they've looked horrible. But I could say that about about a lot of teams. Uh, a Carl, lot of teams. Carl says they 
lost four starters, so they didn't have a bunch back. That's fine. And we'll see what this team does moving forward. I mean, March Madness is, what, two and a half weeks away? So it's right around the corner. And to me... I think what what is it? Uh, almost a week and a half, and they're going to be uh, they're going to be choosing and bracketing. Right. So I think that there's some conferences that have their conference championships next week. Yeah, so, so they'll be bracketing in less than less than two weeks. So I uh, I expect Michigan uh, to somehow slip right in, and if they slip right in, they'll still be very very dangerous. Uh, yes, Sniffin, the Kemba Walker news that Kemba Walker will be sitting for the rest of the season. I think the Knicks are protecting their asset. I don't know what asset they have, uh, but Kemba Walker is a trade piece in the offseason, so they don't want anything to happen to him. And and Kemba Walker's making his money. I don't think he really cares. This team, the Knicks, are not making the playoffs. I think the Knicks and and I think Tom Thibodeau, with everything that's going on and some of the uh, some of the conversations with the organization and the uh, obviously the executives up there in obviously uh, Rose and, and his team of, you know, guys – uh, Tom Thibodeau might be on the hot seat, so he's going to play and he's going to start these young players and see what you have with Grimes, Quigley, and Obi Toppin. So I, I wouldn't, I, I, I definitely expected that. I, I, I guarantee you, the last two or three weeks, you won't see Julius Randle on the court as well. So I expect to see a lot of these young players and see what they have moving forward going into the offseason. Next says, How is Kevin Walker still in the league? The dude's body is broken down. Probably, yeah. I would say that, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to get into this NFL, and I, there's so much to talk about with the NFL. Obviously, the Rams winning the championship. Uh, you're, we're not talking about the Super Bowl anymore. Uh, there are rumors coming out that Tom Brady is going to be uh, directing, producing a movie that he's going to be in. And, and I, I think it has a lot to do with his career and where he is going now as a player. But I think with the, with everything that's going on with the quarterbacks that are going to be available and some of these players, I, there are so many good players that are going to be available in free agency. And Speedy, you could bring that up. That when I bring up free agency, uh, some of the players that are going to be available this off season, you look at and yes, Troy Aikman, yes, leaving Fox. We all know that uh, and he's joining ESPN Monday. I didn't hear about that. I heard he was going to Amazon. That's what I heard. But I guess Troy Aikman is going to ESPN uh, Monday Night Football, which is a good move for ESPN, uh, adding Troy Aikman. That's big news. But how much are they paying him? That's what I want to know. Um, more than Romo. Uh, I, I wouldn't say more than – probably Romo money. But uh, deal is getting finalized, he's saying. But you look at you look at this offseason, and, and there's so many teams that are going to be in the hunt next year to winning a championship, okay? when you When you look at – uh, the Green Bay Packers, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, they're already championship competitive and ready built. The Tennessee Titans, if somehow they get a quarterback, if it isn't Ryan Tannehill, they could be championship material. We we talk about, obviously, the Seattle Seahawks. Now, this year they were horrible. Maybe a, a successful, healthy Russell Wilson coming back and no DK Metcalf going somewhere else, and this team comes back healthy and they add a couple of defensive players. Maybe the Seattle Seahawks team is right there in the hunt. The San Francisco 49ers, if they can find themselves a quarterback, uh, they could be in the hunt. Even the Saints, even though they lose their coach, if the Saints can find themselves a quarterback and figure out how to maneuver uh, what they're going to do with James Winston and, T- and Taysom Hill, I-, I think they're in the hunt next year uh, as a championship competitive team. And it- with the AFC, it's so open. It's so open in the Kansas City Chiefs division. I think it's the North division. Uh, with Is it the North? Well, it's the AFC West. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the AFC West. Yeah. When, you- when you look at the Raiders uh, with, obviously, McDaniels, 
And we don't know what's going on with Derek Carr, obviously. Uh, and, and, and Derek Carr could be traded to Pittsburgh. If Derek Carr gets traded to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh will be one of the favorites of coming out of the North. Especially they, hiring Flores now as a defensive assistant, too. I, I mean, it, it could absolutely very much happen. But uh, also the Baltimore Ravens, with all the money that they're going to have in the offseason, the draft stock that they have, they might be one, maybe even two players away from being a Super Bowl contender as well. I mean, there's so many open thoughts on where free agency is going. Some of these players could be dropped. I, I, I mean, it is open. It, it really is open season. And you hear what the Rams have said, that they want to bring back some of these players. They want to bring back Von Miller. They want to bring back Odell Beckham. They want to go for another round and win another championship. I don't know if they're going to be able to unless these guys take a pay cut. But you look at the way they're set up with Cooper Cup with obviously Matthew Stafford for another two years before he becomes a free agent, this team and and, and a lot of teams are going to be available to maneuver players and bring in players in free agency and really put themselves right there on the top of the list that could be Super Bowl contenders. You talk about the Chargers. Justin Herbert, he has proven himself as a young quarterback in this league. This team was one of the most talented teams throughout this season, made a lot of mistakes at the end of the season. I don't know if I trust the coach, but if they – They wheel and deal a couple of players. They add maybe some defensive players, especially to that secondary that really gave up in the second half of the season. I'm not talking about Duran James, but that secondary did not play well. And and, and I think the secondary had a lot to do on why. And and really the pass rush at the end of the season, the last four games, they couldn't get to the quarterback. Uh, They were having a fantastic beginning of the season. It completely fell off at the end of the season. There are so many things that you look look at in going into this offseason on some of these teams, Speedy, where you wonder one player, two players, a wheel and deal, a trade, uh, maybe a good uh, a good draft pick or two, where you're right there in the mix as as a Super Bowl contender. Well, the AFC now has kind of taken over where the NFC used to be, where it was it's going to be more of the higher parity conference, not necessarily for who goes to the Super Bowl, because we've still seen back-to-backs with the Chiefs and then three in a row with the Patriots, but the Bengals changing that this year could definitely help that, and the Bengals have a lot of money to spend. I believe they were seventh in salary cap in total, too, so they can bolster that offensive line. They can bolster that secondary where they could definitely use some corner help and maybe a, maybe a couple back up running backs or something like that to help out with Mixon if uh, being a pass-catching situation, too. So I think there's definitely a lot of options there. The Bengals, the Bills, and the Chiefs, you would think of the three top three right now. But like Errol was saying, there's AFC North teams that have a lot of talent, too, especially the Steelers if they get Derek Carr, too. And Brian Flores now helping out on that defense, too. He's taken a less talented defense with Miami and gotten them to good places. They have a nice secondary, but their front seven was never great. And the Steelers' front seven is – Steelers are the reverse. Their front seven's very good, and their secondary is iffy outside of Minka. So they have a – they have a window that if they can get a quarterback as good as Derek Carr, as clutch as Derek Carr, that's definitely going to help them for sure, too. And the AFC North as a whole still is very strong all around. Whereas the NFC, like you were saying, the Saints, if they figure out something with this money, they could definitely contend in a weaker NFC South. The Bucks are not going to be the same without Brady. They'll still be good, but they're not going to be the same without Brady. Atlanta's better, but still not great. And then Carolina, who knows what they are. How about you, Tyler? I mean, Kyler Murray, uh, there is a lot of talk of the town that he might be heading out. Uh, and if it happens, Kingsbury could be on his way out, too. He still has a job, and I don't know 
if Arizona would be smart enough to say, you know what, we're going to trade Kyler Murray in the offseason, which I think is stupid, and then, you know what, we're going to move on from Kingsbury. Kingsbury got his quarterback. He, he's going to have to somehow figure out how he could talk his quarterback into staying another year and, and, and trying to get this team back in order. This team is one of the best teams in all of football. Uh, what are your thoughts, the Arizona Cardinals, and where they should and what they should do in the offseason to get back uh, to prominence? Other than the Cardinals are probably going to be one of the most disappointing teams in the league next year. AJ Green's going to be gone, or if he does come back, he's going to be even. He wasn't slower. a big deal to the team anyway. No, so. but he was a number two option, and then you saw when Hopkins went down, he was the guy, and he had glimpses of you know, oh shoot, AJ Green still AJ Green. Uh, then they brought in Zach Ertz. He doesn't really fit with how they played down the stretch either. The running game. It has to be addressed, in my opinion. And then you go into the defense. J.J. Watt. Their running game was as good as get... any. Their running game was as good as any running game in the second half of the season. Right. Sure. Whatever. I, James Conner wasn't don't... good. He was all right. He was. He was decent. all right. He, I. I don't trust James Conner. He's very inconsistent. How many? Year what do you have? Twelve hundred yards this year. Something like that. And they also had the most, second most touchdowns among running backs. Yeah, yeah, like 10 or 11 touchdowns. He had a fantastic year. They're going to re-sign him. There's no doubt in my mind they're re-signing him. Uh, so, well, I mean, good luck spending that type of money on a guy that's not James Conner's only, year he's year. not, he's, first of all, they're not going to overpay James Conner. James Conner's going to get a, a four or five million dollar contract. They're not, they're not going to over, and maybe a little insane. bit more. He's maybe not, a little bit more. They're not going to. He's 12. You're out no, of your mind. He's, he's You're out of your no He won't get 12. Way. He's no too way. injury prone for 12. There is no he's way they're paying him. There's no way they're paying him $12 million. Get, There's no he's way. Gonna get I would say at most seven. He's That's what I say. Six to seven million dollars, the most amount of money that he's going to get. There's no way they're paying him $12 million. Well, and why would lose. he leave? Why would he leave Arizona the way he played this year? I he think, fits that because offense. Of, quite frankly, I think there's a lot of problems in the locker room. Chandler Jones is as good as gone. Why they no didn't question. Him. He doesn't want to be okay. there anyway. So Chandler Jones is gone. But he was barely there all Watt's season. Watts going to get released. No, Watts staying there for another year. That's what I'm hearing. I I don't believe that to be true. Watts says I, he wants to stay there. Of course he's going to stay there. Well, he, he just bought a, a house over there. I get it. And he also stayed in Houston with a smile on his face for 10 years. The only place he would tr- be traded to or, or assigned to if he becomes available is the Pittsburgh Steelers. That would be the only team he goes to. I can't see that's him going fine. anywhere else. Uh, and maybe, Playing with maybe his, his right. brothers. But I can't see him being a Cardinal next year. And again, if they do keep him, he's another guy. He's not inconsistent, but he's barely playing. He will get hurt at some point because he gets hurt every year. Love J.J. Watt, first ballot Hall of Famer, but that's the fact of the matter. And then there's Buda Baker, and outside of Buda Baker, that defense to me is a giant fucking black hole. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That, I don't trust that Arizona on that Cardinals defense was one of the best defenses in a league this year. For you to say it's a black hole, why? Because Chandler Jones is leaving. Chandler Jones is the barely the whole season. He was barely there the whole season. J.J. Watt was barely there the no, whole I know. season. Jones okay? played, and their defense was still one. Of the they had two two really talented linebackers. They have two Byron really Mur- two right. really talented Byron safeties. The corners Murphy, are good. The corners are good. Murphy and Buda Baker are the only. And guys they, in that back I end think I they trust. were amongst the league's top ten in in, in pass rush sacks attempts were, and sacks yeah. too. So they were just I, bad against the run. That was the only. How could you say this defense is a black hole? This defense is one of the strengths of the team. So and, uh, to lose J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, it's not going to kill them to lose those guys. They oh, still are a talented bunch of you players. Lose two top ten pass rushers. You don't think that's going to be a problem? J.J. Uh, Watt is not a top ten pass rusher. He is not. He hasn't mm. been that. He hasn't been that in three years. Okay. 
So to say that J.J. Watt is, it's ridiculous. He didn't play all season long, so to lose him, it didn't make a difference. Now, obviously Chandler, Chandler Jones had a good, what, three games. Then he got hurt. He was out for how many games? Seven, eight games, came back. He played okay. He wasn't great. And one of the reasons why this team couldn't get over the hump, especially against the Rams, was because they couldn't get a pass rush because of your great Chandler Jones. So I, I don't think losing Chandler Jones is that much of a loss. Now, Chandler Jones is a good player. If he goes to the right team, uh, he's definitely going to help. I, I just don't think Chandler Jones is the player that he once was. And the guy has been fighting injury after injury after injury. Now, there are some good players and good free agents that are available this offseason. Mike, uh, um, Mike Williams, he's a good player. Uh, now, I don't know if the, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers are going to give him a contract. Now, uh, there are stories coming out that they're negotiating a deal, but again, you know the charges as as well as anybody, Speedy. Uh, this team does not like to overpay players that they don't think fit the culture of this team and moving forward this organization. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Mike James is in is a fit for this team and this organization moving forward. Uh, there, there again. There's a bunch of other Marcus Williams from the Saints. He's going to be available. One of the best safeties in the league. Uh, J.C. Jackson. Now, I do believe he signs. He resigns one way or another with the New England Patriots. But you never know when when it comes to teams overpaying and over throwing money to a guy like this. Now, I do believe one way or another they'll franchise him and they'll hold him on for another year because that's they're not going to just lose him for nothing. And I believe he's the best corner in all of football. Um, uh, there are other players that stand out. Von Miller, I, I do believe the Rams will do everything they can. Chris Godwin is another player mm-hmm. that stands out. He did tor- tear his a- ACL uh, in the middle of the season. I, I still think he's going to get big paying money. Uh, he is one of the best slot receivers. Could be a number one receiver on any other team. Uh, Teron Armstead from the Saints, a, a very good uh, a very good player. He's another guy that's going to be available this offseason. He's a tackle, obviously. So uh, he will be a, a lead guy where teams are going to be going and gunning for him and overpaying for a player of that magnitude. And Devontae Adams is another player that is standing out. Now, if Derek Carr goes to Pittsburgh, <laughs> I, I don't see him going to the Raiders. Now, there are stories coming out that the lead team to get him are the Raiders. Now, but... If Derek and, and that's because of Derek Carr. Him and Derek Carr are very close. If Derek Carr gets traded to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's no way in hell Devontae Adams is going uh, to the Raiders. So, I, I mean, there's so many guys, and there are much more guys. I, I just need some of them. You have Orlando Brown Jr. You have Allen Robinson, who's a good player. Jesse Bates, who was a big part of the Super Bowl, cha- a, a Super oh, Bowl contending team. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, there are stories, Speedy. Who who are they talking about making a trade with? Quentin right Nelson. Now? They're trying to get Quentin Nelson from the Colts because the Colts haven't given him a contract yet. If Quentin Nelson becomes available, and obviously they're going to have to trade for him, uh, Bates is as good as gone. There's no way. There's no way in hell to, to pay to he pay. He doesn't guy, want a lot of money. Uh, he. What do you mean he doesn't want a lot? He of wants money? five years, seventy million dollars. Uh, he's going to get more than that. He's the best guard in football. No, not Quentin Nelson. Jesse Bates apparently wants five years, seventy million. Yeah, I understand that. But if you Quentin Nelson, if he's going to get paid, he's going to get paid over a hundred million dollars. He's the best guard in football. He's the best lineman in football. Uh, they, no, what, I, I what don't know if he's the best. Do with the other. Because and why would the Colts trade him? Why would the Colts trade him if they can't re-sign him and they decide to move away from him? I, that could that could absolutely happen. Uh, right over here, Carl says ESPN is reporting the Packers freed up eleven million today. What does that mean? 
mean, Good. That, Congratulations. You might be able mean, to re-sign two more players. Does that mean they're going to sign re-sign Aaron Rodgers? I, I, I don't see Aaron it. Rodgers was gone last year. I, I don't see Aaron Rodgers going back to them. I really don't. Uh, Ryan Jensen from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another mm. another good player, center uh, that's available. Jadavion Clowney, not a big name. He'll be available. There'll be teams uh, looking to get him. Randy Gregory, who had a good season with the the Cowboys, could be available. I, I don't know if the Cowboys, St- Stephon Gilmore, who played fantastic. He played fantastic when he got traded to the uh, the Carolina Panthers. Now, I do believe Carolina will find a way to re-sign him, especially giving up a you know giving up a 2023 pick for him. Uh, I think they'll find a way, but I don't know how what where the Panthers' uh, salary cap is. Being. It was 12. It's 12. We looked it up a couple of weeks ago. It so was 12. The, so they have money. They'll probably bring Gilmore back. But there's so many good players that are going to be available this offseason. When, when we go back and look at last offseason, there, there was not that many players that stood out and stuck out to me where I said, oh, my God, this is going to be a good offseason uh, where you could bring in two, three big, huge free agents and you could be a, a Super Bowl contender. Now, obviously, the Bengals brought in seven pieces that helped them go to the Super Bowl, but they had a quarterback in line that was ready to take them to the next level. This offseason, there are players that are going to be – remember, Michael Gallup's available. There, there, there are players that are available that could be game-changing players this offseason. And with the quarterbacks that are so open to be traded and free agents, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is open. Deshaun Watson is open. Russell Wilson's is open. Uh, who else is – Kyler Murray. Ky- Kyler Murray. Uh, uh, Cousins. I mean – there are so many players, there are so many quarterbacks this offseason that could absolutely be game changers for these organizations where it could completely flip-flop. So, I, I, I mean, if you look at it, Speedy, uh, this is open season this offseason for a lot of these teams. And teams like the Jets, Indianapolis, teams that have money this offseason. Who else is the lead, the lead board guy? The Ravens. The Ravens, the Ravens, the Ravens and the Bengals. The Ravens and the Bengals. The Jaguars have a lot of money because they purged almost everything on that team. So, I mean, if you look at a lot of these teams, I mean, it, it's open season. Yes, open season for a lot of these teams uh, to really rebuild this team with a click, uh, with a with snap of their fingers. Well, Carson Wentz is as good as gone. I think seems Carson Wentz, right, yes, yeah. it seems like it is. It's a shame. Because Carson Wentz, yeah. uh, really going into the second half of the season, was having a fantastic season. Yes, he was. He really was. Uh, I, I know he choked the last three games, and, and he was a big part of the choking. So they're putting – they got to point their fingers at somebody. They're not going to point their fingers on Wright. But I'm telling you right now, Frank Wright is going to have to produce a playoff appearance this going into this offseason, uh, into the new season of 2023. If he doesn't, he will be fired. Carl says Seattle won't be here with their $90 million, $9 million punter. Just ask Speedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suck says Brady to Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers to Indy, and they meet in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, right. If Speedy's dog came in right now, would it confuse Earl's head for Speedy's – might it confuse Earl's head for Speedy's ass and start licking his head? No, he doesn't like to go vertical. Listen, Snug, I, just so you know – I actually live up to my bets, okay? So I'm actually wearing Speedy's underwear on my head because I lost a bet, unlike some people, okay? So. Uh, Carl says Marcus Williams to the Eagles. Yes, that's very possible. Uh, ben says Packers hire former offensive coordinator Tom Clements as new quarterback coach to keep Rodgers happy so he doesn't retire. Mm-hmm. They are very close. Mm. Uh, N- yeah, Nathan says J.C. Jackson. Uh, Carl uh, Snuck says Ryan Fitzmagic. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Nathan says I could say J.C. Jackson going to the Bengals. Maybe. Uh, 
And uh, where do the Bengals have this Gallup. money to bring in Quentin Nelson, J.C. Jackson, uh, bringing back Bates? There's no way in hell they're going to have this money. You're, you're talking about uh, 150 million dollars. You think? Does anybody think they're going to have 150 million dollars to spend this offseason? Bates is going to want 70 million. Quentin Nelson's going to want 100. J.C. Jackson's one of the best corners in the league. You're talking about maybe close to 90 to 100 million. There's no way in hell they're going to be able to do. It. And why would J.C. Jackson go over there? The weakness weakness of the Bengals isn't their secondary. The weakness of the Bengals is their offensive line. I mean, Quinn Nelson could be a great uh, great move for them and and put them in a great position. But to bring in Quinn Nelson, you're going to have to lose a piece. I I can't see them bringing back Bates if they bring in Quinn Nelson. Separating from Quinn Nelson at all. Well, I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, obviously, we're just talking about Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz is gone, what are they going to do with that quarterback? Now, are they? Now, I, I, there are stories coming out that Tampa is is making a run for Russell Wilson. I mean, that's that that's the guy. That's what I've heard. Uh, they're they're making a big run for him. I don't know what they're offering. Obviously, they're going to be giving up their future first round draft picks for the next couple of years. But uh, that is the story coming out of Tampa right now. Is Russell Wilson? Is the guy? He's the he's the guy that they really really want now. Deshaun wants Devin White. I'm sorry. It's going to cost you Devin White more than that. It's going to cost you more than that. Well, draft picks, but Devin White uh, as a player is going to be good enough. But in Seattle, first of all, does Seattle need Devin White? I mean, their defense. Yeah. They're, they're, first of all, Devin White's a linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they need a linebacker for? They still have Wagner there. Is Wagner free agent? I think he is a free agent. This yeah, season. even so, he's old too. So I would, yeah. I still would. Well, what's old? 31, 32? For a linebacker, that's pretty old. Yeah. Wagner is still one of the best linebackers in the league this year. Well, I Devin mean, White is just as good. And uh, that, that's fine. But I would, I, I'd honestly and pay. Cheaper. I'd Anna's no, he's not cheaper. Yeah, Devin White's, Devin White's still on his rookie contract. Is he? On, but what is his year? Is it fourth year? This is his fourth year going right. into it. So right why would you do that? You're gonna have to and overpay him. If you're gonna him. pay a linebacker, why don't you get him? For pay Wagner. The next you're not gonna have to years. overpay Wagner. Pay, Wagner's Wagner making twenty point three five million right now. Who is? Bobby Wagner's making twenty three. Is he twenty point three five million? Is he no, free? No, that's what I'm asking. The, still on the roster. That's why you should be looking and stop talking. Okay, so uh, to me, I think that when you look at this offseason. There are so many there's so many things that could happen. And like I said, this list of players, uh Tyron Matthews is available. Uh, uh Brandon Scherf is available. Odell Beckham is available. I mean, Mike uh is mm-hmm. available, one of the best tight ends in the league. Well, a lot of Jets fans very want. underrated. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. Emmanuel uh, uh Agba, he's gonna be available. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Melvin Ingram is available. Mm-hmm. So who had a good season this year as a secondary running back on uh, the Chargers. So, I, I mean, there are so many players that are going to be available this offseason. And, and all it takes is one, maybe two. It, it could be three moves. that You saw with the Bengals. Who else did? The Rams made a lot of moves this offseason and going into the middle of the season, which helped them go Chiefs to the Super Bowl. Chiefs made a bunch, yeah. The Chiefs did, too. I mean – you can. How about the Patriots? They spent a hundred and some by hundred and fifty million in the offseason last year. It's not the Patriot way, and that that helped them make the playoffs. It helped them almost win the division, which I think the Patriots are still going to be really dangerous going into next year because. Uh, all in all, this team is still stacked with the defensive players that they had. They had two defensive linemen going into the 
the Pro Bowl, and and they still have if they bring in J.C. Jackson, resign J.C. Jackson, uh, there's a good opportunity where this team defensively is going to be amongst the league's best again this year. Nithin says we need to bring back Gallup. Snug says Nithin thinks the Bengals have a four hundred fifty million dollar salary cap. You no, know what Bengals are fifty or Ben says Packers are fifty point seven million over the cap as of Monday. And Carl has a question for Errol. Ask Speedy and Tyler, what gets washed more, Speedy's underwear or Tyler's beard? I have no idea. Uh, Tyler, do you wash your beard? Yes. Okay. okay that's Speedy, the answer. how many times do you wash your underwear a week? Uh, it depends on the depends on the week. But Are these underwear washed? Yes. But they're old. They're old. And, like, I've had them a while. But... You have them for a while. When yeah. was the last time you wore these underwear? My beard was in a little bit. Months ago. Months ago, probably. Months ago? So, yeah. y'all go good. So, there you go, guys. Uh, I'm not wearing dirty underwear. That's a good sign. I mean, I am been itching, but it is tied around my forehead. But I'm a man of my word, as uh, as I always say. I, I, I follow through what I say I do. Okay? But, uh, again, I, I mean... What stands out to you guys? I mean, obviously, some of the good players that are available, but it, even the quarterback. I've never seen an offseason where we, where you look at all these quarterbacks that are going to be could be available or could be traded. Uh, it could change the power of divisions. It really could, or could change the power from the NFC and the AFC. So, Speedy Tyler, where do you see this offseason going? Do you think that all these quarterbacks could be on a move? I, I, I could see three out of the six being moved. I think it's already started to shift in terms of division parity. The and the NFC now has like one legitimately strong division in the NFC West, and the other three are average at best and probably below average in most circumstances. The AFC now has two strong divisions. The AFC East is pretty good too. We have to see how Miami is without Flores, and if uh, if if the Patriots could duplicate what they did last year, the Jets should get better. Buffalo's still elite, so that's interesting. The other thing that's interesting too is yeah, how many quarterbacks will get traded? I don't know if Buffalo is going to be elite going into the offseason. They're losing. Like seven starters. They're going to lose a lot of players. Yes, they're older players and they have some young defensive players. They're going to play a full season at that position. Are they going to be still an elite team? Now, they do bring back White. White will be healthy, 100% healthy. Does it help the secondary? Obviously, it does. But are they going to be elite with all these big veteran players parting ways with the Buffalo Bills. I don't know about that. I think, uh, you, you, remember, these veterans were a big part of the defense and what this defense did throughout the season. So, Yeah, it, it, most of them are veteran pass rushers, and I think Sean McDermott and now that Leslie, Fla- Leslie Frazier is back there, they're trying to work in the younger pass rushers that they drafted the last Could two years. Could you trust them? That's the question. Could we trust them is another question. Now, Epinesa was supposed to be, in 2020, supposed to be a guy that was supposed to be a first-round pick. He fell because of injury. And Greg Rousseau this year was Who's supposed good? to be a was he was good he, he was good rookie, he was good as rookie year yeah I, w- I would say he 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 was another guy that has a lot of upside too and then they also have uh their second round pick in Boogie Basham who was also a solid pass He was better than well. Rousseau at certain points he yeah, was he so he was better than Yeah Rousseau. so I would say they have a good mixture of it now they have to play full time they have to eventually is going to take on number one attention, edge double team, stuff like that. So we'll see if they can work that into the system. I think that's what the Bills' plan has been. And the Bills have done that for the last four years, really. They've stuck to their, they're stuck to their rebuild. They've got rin, got, gotten rid of veterans at the right time for the most part. And not that Addison and Hughes can't still be good pass rushers, but they are older now, and they are kind of one-dimensional. So maybe they want to take that kind of thing on. How about you, Tyler? I mean, all these quarterbacks... Uh, there's so many conversations that this guy could be traded here, that guy could be traded there, this guy could be traded over there. Uh, what quarterbacks really stand out to you going into the offseason that could be on a move? 
I mean, the big name is Deshaun Watson, right? And uh, I don't think he's the biggest name. I, I, well. I mean, you're going to say Aaron Rodgers, but I'm not trading my franchise away to get a 40-year-old quarterback. That's, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the Washington Commanders are honestly a team that people really need to pay attention to because they have a lot of cheap contracts, and mm-hmm. that defense They're ninth is pretty in salary much cap right now, yep. So, I mean, they get one more wide receiver. They get a tackle. Of, I, I think Toronto Armstead will end up there. And then all of a sudden, you're talking about this team being a quarterback away from forget the division. They they're a Super Bowl contender at that point. If Chase Young comes back as healthy as he plans to be, that team is all set. I think they're a very scary team. I can see them trading away a couple of pieces to get a Deshaun Watson or a, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, hell, maybe a Carson Wentz goes there on like an Alex Smith type of deal. I don't know if Carson Wentz will ever get a starting job again. I, I mean, he had a good season. But if, if, if the Indianapolis Colts, who Frank Wright was a part of uh, obviously tra- drafting him, I mean, and then yeah. he decides to part ways with him, I, I don't know if any team is going to give Carson Wentz think, a chance I don't to think, be started. I don't think that's a right decision. I think that's a Ballard decision. It doesn't matter. Wright has to be involved with it. I mean, he's running that organization. He is the he is the quarterback guru. He is the coach. And right. if he's deciding right. to part ways with Carson Wentz after the season that he had under him, I, I think that says a lot on what he thinks that Carson Wentz is. Maybe he doesn't think he can win with Carson Wentz. And now, now obviously, maybe Ballard sees a guy he can win with. I, I maybe they draft somebody in the second round, third. You're going to trust in a rookie than Carson Wentz. No, I I wouldn't know, but maybe that's what Chris Ballard's thinking. I don't think so. He's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than Wentz. What's Wentz on the block for? $22 million? $28 million. I, I say they're going to get rid of Carson Wentz because of the money, and they don't want to pay him the $28 million. Unless uh, they trade him away and they get a piece a, a piece back, a, a quarterback back for him. But who? Who, who are you going to – Derek Carr? I mean, you could. That, that makes a lot of sense, trading Carson Wentz. Uh, to the the Las Vegas uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I'm just saying, but he might want other players on. Who that knows team. what McDaniel's? McDaniel's wants. might very want. Weirdly. McDaniel's might want other players on Indianapolis that fits what he's trying to do over there. And maybe if you can bring it, send Derek Carr over there, he gets Carson Wentz, who's not a bad. He's not a bad quarterback. He can still play with him. You saw what he did with Mac Jones. And maybe you bring in one or two other pieces that can help this team move forward. I mean, I, I'm just Vegas is what maybe three, four players away from being a contender. They were a playoff team last year. Offensive line, probably, and some receiving depth, I would imagine. Their defense did a lot better than expected, though, last year. Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson. And and, and, uh, for Derek Carr? Derek Carr? Not not for just Derek Carr. uh, Maybe picks and all that other stuff. There are offensive, uh, maybe one or two offensive. He wants, first of all, if they're not going to pay him, he's going to want to be traded. Okay? You could say, hell no, well, you want. No, I'm saying, why would you trade? That that's ridiculous. Because it's really, Carson Wentz is the throw-in. He's really just a throw-in piece. It's really Derek Carr for Quentin Nelson. That's really what it is. And, and, and you'll obviously, obviously, Vegas is going to have to throw one or two other pieces in. That makes a lot of sense, and they will. I, I mean, obviously, but it, that's not too far fetched. I mean, they're looking for offensive line help. You put Quentin, You don't have to. First of all, they're in two different. They're practically, I guess. Well, they're in the same division, right? No, no they're, they're no, in the AFC. They're both they're in the, the AFC. AFC though, so, yeah. so you'll have to play them maybe once every other year or something like that, or every other year. They year. play next year too. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe you have to play them once in a blue moon, but uh, you won't have to see them a lot. They're not in the same division. You're not going to see them twice a year. So, in, in thought, I mean, maybe that makes sense. I, I don't know, but uh, there are stories coming out that Quinn Nelson wants a big contract. And the Colts are not willing to give him that $100 million. And if they don't, 
Somebody will. And it's so weird because they should. They're always in the top for salary cap. This year they're seventh, and they never want to pay these guys, overpay these guys. Chris Ballard has done well drafting for the most part, finding guys that work in late round picks, finding guys that fits this defensive scheme. Maybe that will have to do with the coaches too, but still these drafts have been pretty good, and yet they haven't been able to make those splash moves that have taken them to the next level. Even though they've made the playoffs, they've made the playoffs in kind of fluky ways. They needed like a seven-game winning streak or something to get in his first year after they lost to the Jets, and then they snuck in last year. They made it as the seventh seed and then they lost to the bills. So it wasn't, it hasn't been easy. They haven't been able to take that next step. And it's just weird to think because the Colts always had their history of history of quarterbacks. And now mm-hmm. they have had revolving doors with it with Phillip rivers. Now Carson Wentz. And now they're probably replacing one again. I, I mean, and, and you look at, you, you look at the New York teams. I mean, I, I've been hearing a lot about the the giants and what the giants are trying to do. The giants bring in a, uh, a second woman to the coaching staff, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Giants are really trying to figure out and close up on what this coaching staff is going to be moving forward with this team. And I think they've done very, very well so far as far as their coaching staff is concerned. Uh, the question is, uh, what are they going to do with Saquon Barkley? Saquon Barkley is going to want a big contract after next year. Uh, he's still on his rookie contract. I think they're going. I think their plan is to move him. Uh, there are other other pieces that I mean they're not going to be able to trade Kenny Galladay. He, he is a lost cause. You're not right. going to be able to get rid of that contract. So they're going to have to bring Kenny back. But there are other pieces that the Giants. Leonard Williams. I, they gave him an extension uh, last year. Leonard. There might be teams looking for a, a defensive lineman uh, in their scheme, a four three scheme. I don't know. Maybe uh, where did their offense? Grant. Where did Graham go? I forget where Graham went. Raiders. He went to the Raiders. Maybe, maybe somehow the Giants and the Raiders can make a trade. I mean, he played – Leonard Williams played under Graham pretty well. Maybe <laughs> uh, Raiders are looking for defensive line help. Maybe Run defense, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe Leonard Williams would be a good fit with the Raiders. Where, so, where, would, when, 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 where would he play? What do you mean? Defensive tackle. Crosby on one side and Nash Defensive on the other. tackle. I don't think they – He'd play alongside Hankins. Defensive tackle. I don't know. I mean, I he'd be a power I, rusher I on occasion, I guess. Listen, but. I don't know if it's going to happen, Tyler. I'm just naming players that would make sense now that Graham went over there. He played under Graham's defense. He understands Graham's defense. So why not? I mean, he it makes like sense. He played like shit last year. Uh, he played like shit. He also played health on not healthy last year. He wasn't 100% healthy last year. He played healthy the year before. He played almost 13, 14 games, and he was he was a pro ball player. $18 so, million dollars? You want to gamble $18 million for a position you don't really need? No. Again, they do need it. And they need defensive help in the middle and stopping the run. It's not their biggest need, but they definitely it definitely could be helpful, though. Either whether it's inside interior defensive line help or linebackers. They'll need something like that because their run defense was below average last year. I don't know. What, it's been good for a while. I don't know what Josh McDaniels is thinking, what this team is Whoever going to Whoever knows. Do. But then again... Uh, again, you bring in a, a defensive coordinator, and he wants players that know his defense. That's what usually coordinators do. They bring in players that know their style of game. And Leonard Williams, who played very well in that style, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these giants that become available or are, are traded for uh, for pieces. Uh, remember, Josh McDaniels and obviously uh, Dable are from the same cloth. They come from the Patriots cloth. I wouldn't be surprised if... If some way or another that these teams will be trading pieces or trade, you know, trade partners one way or another. Now, again, looking at this offseason, there are a lot of good free agents, so you don't really have to make trades unless unless something makes sense. Now, again, I, I don't know what some of these teams are thinking. Uh, and I even though this whole Kyler Murray thing is taking and is growing legs, it's going to be very, very hard for the Arizona Cardinals to part ways with their superstar quarterback. 
Is he okay? a superstar? He's a superstar quarterback. Nah, uh, no, no, he's not a superstar. Uh, he was in the Pro Bowl last year, and uh, he's he was a borderline Pro Bowl player this year. Uh, Fantasy-wise, he's one of the best fantasy players in the league. Uh, I mean, the guy's fantastic. I don't know where, why you don't think he is. say he wasn't fantastic. He was fantastic. A so, star and a superstar. He is a superstar player. Your team is a top team in the NFL. You're one of the reasons why you're a superstar player. And then you should have showed up when the game mattered most. Yeah, well, good. That happens to a lot of quarterbacks. It's not just one. There are a lot of good quarterbacks. You're right, but most of them don't throw a bitch fit afterwards. That's great. To say that uh, Kyler Murray. Dak Prescott. (laughs) Dak Prescott was lashing out at the refs after the game. He's not a star either. Uh, Well, I I, I remember when uh, the, the Saints lose... In in the, in the NFC title game because they because a bad play call and he was bitching and moaning. Drew Brees, your favorite quarterback, so don't get me Drew started. Drew Brees is a superstar. Yeah, oh yeah, he's a superstar. And Kyler Murray isn't. Get out of here. All right, <laughs> you Drew suck. Brees is a top ten quarterback all That's time. That's fine. Kyler Murray's been in the league for three years and he's okay, been in two out of so three. So he doesn't years. have the same clout that Drew Brees two, has. You're being ridiculous. It, it doesn't matter. Two or three, two out of the three years, he's been a Pro Bowl player and he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I, I don't know where you come out and say that he's not a superstar well, Drew player. Drew Brees never threw a temper tantrum after losing the game and blamed okay. everyone but himself. Drew Brees never went to a crappy team like that. Oh, uh, right? uh, uh, careful. That same team uh, was crap uh, oh, when really? he got there. Really? It was crap? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about that. Sean Payton was there. That team was practically a quarterback away from being a good team. So I don't know what you're talking about. All right. So, they, again, uh, uh, you look at you look at where Kyler Murray is. I think it's just clout. I, I, I can't see – the Arizona Cardinals, unless something, if, if unless Ty, Kyler Murray is telling telling Arizona trade me or I'm not playing this year or, or pay me now or yeah. or pay me now or I'm going to go and play baseball. I mean, he could do that. I don't think he's going to play baseball. I think he he chose where he wanted to be. That's why he gave up five or six million dollars that was offered to him from the Oakland Athletics. I don't see him going back to baseball. But this. I can't see, I cannot see the Arizona Cardinals parting ways, unless for Deshaun Watson. If, if, if you look at it, Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson, I, I would make that trade. I, I would. I Even mean, with the cases? Because I, I think, remember, it's, they're not criminal cases. He's not going to jail for them. He's no, not. I know. I just, they just have a good roster right now. I don't know if they would want to risk that. He's not going to jail for it. So, what case or no case, even if he has to pay millions and millions of dollars out to these ladies, he's not going to jail. And he's done his time. There's no way the NFL is going to sit him out again. He's been sitting out for a year and a half. They're not going to sit him out anymore. He's done enough. So after the case, if he gets traded, he's going to play this year, Deshaun Watson. Josh Allen is going to play two ways next season. And Aaron Rodgers for Kyler Murray straight up. Just so we're all aware, mm-hmm. the Saints the year before they got Drew Brees were 3-13. and That's great. That's great. So we're going to see. We're going to sit there, and, and Drew Brees was that's there. That's a pretty pay, crappy team. That's uh, Kyler Murray. Well, how bad were they before Kyler Murray? How bad they were, were they? Five and ten with Kyler uh, Murray. Five and ten without Kyler. They had the number one pick when they got Kyler Murray. I understand, and then they won five games. They won five year. games because he was out for the, the what? What four or five games Don't because care. of injury? Yeah, whatever. Don't five care. games is five. And he games. was a Pro Bowl player. And he was a Pro Bowl player. So whatever, Tyler. You could sit here and, and, and talk about Drew Brees. Drew Brees was a veteran player when he went to the, uh, the Saints. That's right, because he was the one crying. It's okay for Drew Brees to cry, but it's not okay no, for Kyler I, Murray to cry. I mean cry. crying. I don't mean literally crying. I mean, eh, well, my organization didn't do this. My they didn't. Mean, they didn't? They didn't. You're gonna you won play. 12 games in the regular season. You can't be competitive. Who, who, who won 12 games? 12, 11 games? Uh, Kyler, the Cardinals won? Yeah, Kyler okay. Murray was a big part of why they won 12 sure. games. Sure. 
and you're the biggest reason they looked embarrassing. Again, a quarterback that was left hanging by his offensive line and getting sacked, what, nine times against the Rams in, in, in the beginning rounds of the playoffs, and, and you had home field advantage? You had home field advantage against the Rams, and you were embarrassed by the Super Bowl champion Rams, and that's his fault. That's, that's great. But it, it, to me, and, and that was his first game as a rookie quarterback in the playoffs. You're going to blame a rookie quarterback in his first playoff game. Hey, it's Kyler Murray's no fault. Bla- I'm not blaming him for that. I'm blaming him. You're the quarterback. You're a leader. Why are you being a baby? Like, Why are you being a baby? Um, like, I, as well as anybody should be. I, I, if I'm sitting there and I'm getting sacked nine times and my offensive line practically didn't even play the game, you put me in. How many times did you position me at the one-yard line, two-yard line because my special team sucked in that game too? I, I'd be pissed off you too. You're blaming special teams. I, I'm, I'm blaming the whole team, not just Kyler Murray. It's not just Kyler Murray's fault. Teams too. Yeah, it was. It was. It was Green Bay special team. They couldn't kick field goals. They couldn't kick the extra point, and they couldn't. And with a block field goal, they st- I mean block punt. They're standing there while the San Francisco 49ers are walking it right in on the 15 yard line. Yes, I do blame special teams. Yes, I do. Sex says I think the Texans sat Watson last year, not the NFL. Yes, but if he played, he would have been suspended. No, I, I think I think Snugs is a little bit right. I, again. The fact that they that he sat out, I can't see the NFL sitting him out another year if some team trades for him. I think he plays next year if he gets traded for. Now, I don't know who's going to trade for him. I, I did think that it was going to be Tampa, but now I'm hearing uh, that Russell Wilson is definitely the guy that they're after. Now, what is Tampa going to have to do to get Russell Wilson? I I mean, he's, it's not going to be easy to get Russell Wilson. As you know what Chicago offered him last year, three first rounds and, and a player, uh, a good player, starter, a defensive starter. I don't, I don't know what they're going to have to give up. Now, Russell Wilson didn't have a great year. So maybe, maybe you'll get lucky and you only have to give up two first rounds and a second and maybe a fourth and a player. I, I don't know. But you're giving away your future. Mm-hmm. As well as the Rams did to get Matthew Stafford. Now, if you think you're a player, Russell Wilson, a player away from winning a Super Bowl, then you make the trade. Then you make the trade. But it's so interesting when you look at the going into this offseason. They might even get lucky, and DK might go with Russell Wilson. No, DK Metcalf. First of all, Arizona, um, Arizona, Tampa don't have the money to pay DK Metcalf. It's a rookie deal. He's making like barely a million dollars. Again, you're going if he's going to get traded. And, and they're not going to – so hold on one second. They're not going to – So hold on one second. You, you're going you're gonna to have to give two first rounds. They don't want him there. Let's say just – let's take a guess. Russell Wilson didn't have as good a year as he did last year because of his finger, his surgery. Let's say you get lucky. You give up two first rounds, a second, and a fourth. Okay? okay? To get – to trade for DK Metcalf, you're going to have to give up another first. Maybe another second or a second and a fourth. Are you gonna? Are you willing to give away your future for these two players? I'm not. Yeah, because you're gonna lose Chris Godwin. That's fine. Let Godwin walk. DK replaces Godwin, and you still got a two-headed monster. Yeah, and Tyler Johnson, Tyler, uh, not Scotty, yeah, Tyler Johnson, Scotty right. Johnson goes in the middle. There Scotty has to be. The there has to be a reason why DK wants to leave Seattle. They don't want him there. Uh, how and do you maybe know? Maybe he doesn't like Pete Carroll. Uh, maybe he doesn't like Russell Wilson. 
Well, then that's something Tampa Bay would have to do their research oh, on. But so. if they don't have a problem with each other, I don't see why you don't just see what it could cost. It's pretty funny how DK Metcalf the year before was one of the best wide receivers in the league. And he then this year, year, this year. Uh, he didn't have the year that he had last year. No, but he was still good. I, I mean, he was all right. He, he To me, I would have rather Tyler Lockett than DK Metcalf this year. Tyler Lockett also fought a lot of injuries. Small guy, but when Tyler Lockett was on the field, when Russell Wilson was on the field, Tyler Lockett was the best, better player. Now, I don't know what the situation was, DK Metcalf, but there are stories coming out that there, there are, there are taking conversations on possibly trading DK Metcalf. I, I just, if I were a team right now, I do not trade a first round for DK Metcalf. If if that's what they're putting up for a DK Metcalf, I don't trade a first round pick for DK. Uh, Snug says Russell Wilson to San Francisco. That won't happen. They don't have a first round pick, and no, that's <laughs> and they're not going to trade in division. No. And then Penn and then says Russell Wilson to Green Bay back next year. It's either going to be Lance or Garoppolo, and Garoppolo is probably going to be the guy. What Jimmy Garoppolo where? San Francisco? Yeah. He's not staying there. Well, there's growing up. They're dangling him. It's still going to be tough to move. Nah, so. he's, not, he's not going. He, he's not going back to San Francisco. I, I cannot see any. And the way Jimmy Garoppolo spoke after the game against uh, uh, the Rams, it seemed like he already knows he's on his way out. So I think with the fact that Kirk Cousins might be available this offseason, I think it makes a lot of sense that Kirk Cousins goes there for one year. He he could actually start the season as the starting quarterback and then slowly but surely move Trey Lance in as the starting quarterback. And Kirk Cousins uh, was drafted by, uh, obviously, Shanahan. Uh, he knows the offense like a glove. And the players around him, the weapons that they have already, uh, they're, they're set up. Right now, San Francisco should be set up to win next year. Mm-hmm. They they really are. And now I don't know if Kirk Cousins is a missing piece of that team. I mean, Kirk Cousins has been a missing piece of a lot of teams year in and year out from Washington. Now all of all these years with the Minnesota, I really thought that he was the missing piece to take Minnesota over the top, and he just he wasn't. They're always an every other year <laughs> team, Minnesota, no matter how talented they are. Uh, before we go to break, because uh, Mike yes. Whale has arrived, yes. uh, Snook says Jimmy G to Carolina for that's, Sam Darnold. That, that makes no, no. Jimmy G to Carolina makes sense, not for Sam Darnold. I don't think that's going to happen, but. Uh, Jimmy G um, going to Carolina makes a lot of sense. Actually, in, in in their defense, though, even though Darnold is a downgrade, it is it, it does save him a lot of money, though, the yeah. Niners. I, I, it's very, very interesting. Uh, and I, I think Sam Darnold will be there next year. I can't see. They gave up a second and a fourth for Sam Darnold. I think he will, too, but I, I'm not going to say they will out bang. He might not win. He might not win the job. He'll be up there to, to try to win the job. And I know the fans can't stand him over there. Uh, they were booing the hell out of him. <laughs> Uh, when he came back, when when they took Cam Newton out, but right. Cam Newton's washed up. I don't think you'll see Cam Newton play another football game in the NFL. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to former Packers, Panthers, and Seahawk guard Mike Wall here on the Sports Loudmouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. I am wearing Speedy's dirty underwear on my head. I lost the bet, as you see. We are the Sports Lab Mouse. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD, Tyler Duff Harrison, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Yes. I lost a bet during uh, the year 
What was the game, Speedy? It was Buffalo. Bills, Chiefs. It was Bills and Chiefs, uh, I guess, the AFC title game? The divisional The divisional game, I'm sorry. And I lost. I picked Buffalo, and this is what happens to me. I get the opportunity to wear Speedy's old, disgusting Hanes underwear. Well, there you go. So now our guest gets the opportunity to get an interview with my crazy forehead. Anyways, we are now talking to former Packers, Panthers, and Seahawks guard, Mike Wall. Hey, all good, guys. How you guys doing tonight? We are good, man. I mean, obviously, I'm not because I... I this is I, not a gas mask, man. You're in good shape. You know, it looks, it looks fine. like... It looks I thought like, it was stylish. It does. It looks like a do-rag. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't look that bad, especially when I, I practically rub a bandit to my head. But I, I lost the bet, so I'm a man of my word, Mike. So there you go. Yeah, good man. Well, I, I don't know how many bets you made over there with the Packers. We'll get into that in just one second. Tell us a little bit about uh, obviously not playing. You, you've been out of the NFL for a couple of years. What have you been doing? I've been I, I've been reading a little bit about you. I, I checked out your podcast. Uh, what have you been doing since you uh, uh, haven't been in the NFL? Yeah, so I got I got out. I stopped playing in 2009. I went back in like 2014. Started working as a, a, a in, on the other side of the ball as position coach, performance coach, develop, uh, skill development specialist. And now I have a platform I use process to perform. I help players, parents, and coaches kind of reach their that next level. We work on uh, we work on three tool sets. We work on mindset development, technical mastery, and ownership decisions. And I, I use those to help these, these these aspiring athletes, even pro level guys at this stage, kind of level up, get to that next contract, get to high school, to college, college pro, etc. So we uh, have a lot of fun with it. There's that. There's the the podcast, obviously, and then there's a, a couple of webinar sessions and, and and platforms that we use to to help accelerate development. What is it with these offensive linemen? They retire, they lose all this weight. I mean, you look fabulous. I mean, from what you well, were as an NFL player, I mean, you lost a lot of weight. What have you been doing? Listen, yeah, here's here's what happens, guys. There's, there's two things. Well, one, you get tired of sweating walking upstairs. That sucks, right? <laughs> the other thing is, all offensive linemen weigh about. Let's say we weigh about three hundred pounds. <laughs> Everybody I know went fifty pounds one way or the other, right? You you you're down two twenty, two fifty. You're like three sixty, and you don't want to be at three sixty. So I just chose the I chose the lesser of the two evils, right? <laughs> I, I can't be big and strong anymore. That sucks. But uh, I don't sweat walking upstairs, so. Yeah, you take you take what you can get. Oh, I'm telling you, man. I, I see some of these guys that retire. They got like six, eight packs, and they're running in these these triathlons and stuff like that. It's it's ridiculous. So, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career with the the Packers? Uh, you, most of your career was with the Packers. You had the opportunity, obviously. I think you played a little bit with Brett Favre. And 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 you, yep. you and you played with Aaron Rodgers. What what was it like playing for two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Yeah, so I didn't get a chance to play with Aaron. I moved I moved on from uh, Green Bay in two thousand five. Right. I went to Carolina Panthers, took a free agent deal, and then the whole that kind of started everything. Uh, there was a bunch of guys. There was mass exodus from Green Bay. Ted Thompson became the uh, became the general manager and, and started cleaning house a little bit. Brett got. He got a little hotter hotter to the collar, and then you know that started his whole is he is he isn't he going to retire. Um, I think they drafted Aaron the next year. He was sitting for three years, and then he, he started coming on the scene maybe 2008. I think that's right. Your company you're running now, you were talking about how you teach offensive line play for the most part. It seems like a lot of the, the game now is uh, moving towards more shifty offensive linemen in comparison to like, the big mauler types. Do you see that kind of thing uh, into the game now, and how does that – or, uh, how does that differ the way you teach? Yeah, to answer your question, the, you know, I, I don't only work with, with football players. I work with, with confrontational sports. Uh, hmm. Any confrontational sport, I work with those athletes. But to answer your question, 
Um, you do see that shift. I think about 10 years ago, they started looking at more basketball types. And, and you know, what it's, what it's really done from a perspective of an old head who just likes running the ball and beating people up, it's kind of taken a lot of the – like that natural aggression that, that some of us had has kind of gone away. And so when you see a guy that's like a Quentin Nelson, that's like a Trent Williams, guys that are not only great athletes but just have that mindset of, hey, man, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going here to do, to do some serious work, they stand out a little bit more now than maybe they did back then. I think there's a huge opportunity right now in, in, in football at the offensive line position to come in, be a technical master, but just be that kind of guy that wants to finish through the whistle, finish through the, the echo of the whistle, right, and be able to put guys on piles again. Guys like that are a hot commodity, man. They can make a ton of money in this league, be famous, do, do all the things they want to do because there's just a – there's a very large amount of basketball players who just don't really want – aren't really about that life. Now, you brought up an interesting thing. Now, obviously, when you win any battle in the trenches, whether you're an offensive or defensive lineman, you have to have a certain mindset of you're just going to go – and be the toughest guy in the room. That's I think that would be pretty fair to say. Is that something you're taught in Pee Wee, or are you just born with it? How do you get that type of mindset of every snap, I'm going to have to punch this guy as hard as I can in the chest and hope to God that he doesn't move me backwards five feet? You know, you know what? Honestly, guys, it's, it, everything we do in sports is just about trying to find confidence, right? That's all, we're, that's all the coaches are trying to get out of those players, just trying to come into the game as confident as possible. And, and I always talk, I always talk about confidence and preparation. So I, I wasn't born. Um, I wasn't born to be an offensive lineman necessarily. I, I didn't grow up that way. I played quarterback in high school, but what happens is you just get, you understand what the, what the mechanics of your success look like. You work like you work like absolute hell to get them. You take confidence in the preparation that you put in to get ready. And then, and then, you know, those game days, those opportunities kind of demonstrate how much work you've put in and how much joy that brings to you. You know, when you get those opportunities, you just make the most of them. And, and, and for a sport and for a position like offensive line, being, you know, trying to punch a hole through somebody's chest, trying to finish somebody over the pile, trying to make people quit, right? Like it's me versus you. I want to make you quit. And just that mentality, that just comes with a lot of, I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours of work and just respecting the process, respecting the work you put in. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Packers, Panthers, and Seahawk guard Mike Wall. You talk about the offensive line, and it's five guys playing on the offensive line. They all have to work together. And, and, and really getting the quarterback and protecting the quarterback and putting the quarterback into position to make the right play and the, mic, the right throw. When you look at some of the quarterbacks these days and some of the offensive linemen in these days, is there an offensive lineman that you see in the league right now that reminds you of you? When you played the game, I really like the guys in Cleveland. I think both Batonio and Wyatt I think those guys are just saw they're, they're they're guys that weren't necessarily the, the biggest commodities coming out, but they're extremely well coached. They're very professional, and I think they have a model the same model we have. Man, it's like you, you work hard, you kick ass, and you enjoy doing both. And uh, I, I love that attitude. I love the way they finish. Um, master technicians, just solid, solid players. There's a handful of guys in the league that can really play right now, um, but I, I would say that the level of play between the elite and then everybody else is, is pretty steep. You know, when you look at it, you look at guys like Quentin Nelson, you look at Batonio and those guys, the difference between them and even the middle tier guys, I think is pretty drastic right now. And again, it's a testament to how hard they work. So I want to go back to the Packers and uh, you got a teammate that was just inducted into the hall of fame in Leroy Butler. So what was he like as a teammate on and off the field? Yeah, he was awesome, man. So Leroy, uh, you know, he was the leader of the team, him and Reggie leader of the defense, at least when I got there in 1998, they still had an awesome uh, defense. I think they were 
I want to say they were ranked in, in the top three in defense that year. I think Reggie had one of a, one of his better sack years, and then he went on to retire that year and then eventually ended up in Carolina. But the thing about those guys is they really know how to run a locker room. They weren't just they weren't just leaders on the field. They were leaders off the field, the way they carried themselves. And the thing I learned from guys like Leroy, guys like Brett, guys like, like Reggie was, you know, in football, you always think you have to manufacture emotion, right? We think we have to get up and really get hyped up, listen to Pantera, bang our head against the wall, <laughs> right? We all watch the program, all this crazy stuff they're doing in there because – you know, at base level, it's one of those sports that you're, you're a little bit afraid. People come in afraid. They've, they've been taught that, okay, you might get hurt. You might get embarrassed. You might get physically manhandled by somebody else. So we try to manufacture emotion. And what those guys taught me, Leroy in particular, is, man, if you if you just work hard, you're confident in your preparation, you can go out on Sundays and you don't have to manufacture anything. You can just be good. Like, it's okay to be good. It's okay to just be good. Know you're going to have a good game. Know you're going to dominate your opponent. Love, love doing what you do. Love working with the people that, that you're working with and, and enjoy yourself. And, and I think that was probably the best lesson that that group of leaders taught me. You brought up your teammates. You've actually played with a couple of characters. Uh, when you went to Carolina for your Pro Bowl season, they, uh, there's Steve Smith there. Uh, Jake DeLome's been known to kind of been, you know, a little bit of a goofster from what I've understood. Is there a guy that stood out as, oh, my God, this guy's just on a different realm of crazy? And then there's oh, obviously Steve. Brett Favre. Who's- yeah, Steve's different. Steve, Steve's, Steve's nuts. Like, and I say that, I love that guy. I, I, I went to Carolina because they had the top defense that I had seen that I had played against in the last two years. We played them two years in a row. They had Chris Jenkins, Mike Rucker, Pep, Dan Morgan, all those guys are stacked, man. And I went there because the other reason was Steve Smith. Because you watch that guy play, it's like you can't help but want to play with a dude like that. And he was all kinds of nuts. But he was, he was actually – he was so methodical in the way that he went about making people feel bad about themselves on the field that I remember we playing, we're playing uh gosh, Atlanta. I don't even know if he had a catch at halftime, but I think D'Angelo Hall had like 150 yards and personal foul penalties and holding belt. I mean, and PI, I mean, he could just get under your skin. He did it to everybody. I mean, he was, he was a little bit of a, a loose cannon, right? Like his emotions get overflow from time to time, but I love, I don't think I've ever been around a guy who's as competitive as Steve Smith was. We are talking to former Packers, Panthers, and Seahawk guard, Mike Wall. Mike, uh, we have had a lot of ex-NFL players on the show, and we talk about this because it's really affected the NFL for the last six, seven years, the CTE situation uh, with the brain trauma, the concussion trauma. We saw that in the Super Bowl with the concussions throughout the playoffs. When you look at all these stories, Roger Goodell, uh, the NFL getting sued for over $100 million. And you look at these players. I don't think these players have been taken care of enough, even with the, uh, the, the uh, lawsuit that they have. Uh, when you look at all the things that we've heard in all these players, Patrick Willis retiring early, DeBrickashaw Ferguson retiring early, all these great young superstar players, Calvin Johnson retiring early. Uh, are you surprised? And uh, do you like what the NFL is doing moving forward the way the league has changed? In terms of safety protocols? Yes. Um, honestly, I think it's distance. I mean, the, the, the league's there to make money, mm-hmm. right? The league's there to make money for their owners. So everything they're doing is based off that fact, right? So anything they do from a safety uh, perspective is, and we've seen it already, they, they cut down the amount of contact we can have. They try to eliminate a lot of the, a lot of the um, penalties that really affect them defensive players right which is allowed honestly to a to a, a poor brand of football has showed up like quarterbacks are basically not getting punished for making bad throws because the defenders can't take the heads off their their receivers <laughs> but everything they do i mean if, if we get down to it, we're, i'm a little bit cynical about it probably mm-hmm. but when you get down to it they're really just trying to extend the season they already did it to 17 games i'm sure they're going to try to do it to 18 
And so that, that whole thing is really a money grab. Um, how much are they really trying to help out those, those ex players? You know, there's a reason they're their lawsuits, right? Mm-hmm. Their lawsuits because they're not going quietly. Right. So when, when you ask me, you know, do I, am I happy with the job they're doing from that perspective? You know, anything that you can do to, to elongate somebody's career is probably a good thing. As long as it's not the, at the expense of the, the, the purity of the sport right. or what that person can do in their own way to kind of make themselves stand out and have the career that they want. And, um, you know, I, I, really, I don't necessarily like all the rule changes that have, that have come about because I think it takes away from a lot of the, the kind of the visceral action of the sport that I love, the part of the, the violence and all of that that I really of enjoyed. Course. I think taking away headshots and, and putting in knee shots and ankle shots is not a net win at all. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of things going around. But, you know, certainly I think using proper form, like tackling with shoulder tackling, the, the advent of shoulder tackling and making that a thing now, and making that a best practice method, understanding that that's not just a safety thing. That's a performance thing. Of course like you, you tackle people to the ground better, excuse me, when, when you're able to go, when you're able to go shoulder contact. So there's some of these things that have been instituted that are great, I think, but overall, you know, I always kind of look at the NFLs. They're, they're really just trying to make as much money as they can for the owners. And, and we'll leave it at that. So is there anything specific you would change about the way they're operating in those areas? Maybe you're saying the rule change is obviously one that you would go back to some old school rules, but is there anything, like under the radar that you would do if you were well, I mean, in the NFL? Listen, guys, it, it's, as, it's as simple as this, right? You take away practice time from, from, from teams, and now the teams don't operate at, at the same level. Like when I watch you, – you guys watch the sport maybe, and you see all these great athlete schemes. I watch guys kind of fumbling around with their footwork. I watch guys that are going into contact in, in like wrong body positions. So that's the kind of stuff that I watch. And so when I see the guys aren't operating at, at, a, at necessarily as high a level as they used to, I look at it like well, we should be practicing more. But – you know, for a number of reasons, we can go into the Jeff Saturday stories and all, you know, all why we don't, we're not allowed to put a ball in our hands until April. There's, there's a bunch of stuff that's happened from here to there, but you know, ultimately I just want to see the best product out on the field as we can. And, and as long as they're working towards doing that, like I'm all for it. So now that we're in kind of the off season, the next step is obviously the NFL draft. Can you take us through what these kids do going to the combine, getting ready for the draft? kind of learning their way around the league. Can you express how your uh, rookie combine was? Yeah, so the combines, and well, that, that whole experience is interesting, right? Because you, and especially now, because they have all of these professionals, we, we saw the agents are, are, you know, they take them to the combine prep place and there's all, all over the country. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of these kids are prepping for something that's not necessarily going to help them during the, during the season. Like this, this combine running a 40, learning how to start, spending all that time working on your 225 bench. I mean, yeah, there's some marginal benefit there, but ultimately that doesn't help you get a job, right? This is all again what we're talking about before. The, the combine's really for TV, it's really for marketing. The, you could get your medical done anywhere and you could just have pro days where we can see how well this guy can really move in a, in a football capacity, right? So I think for guys now, it's, there's, a, there's a ton of pressure because there's so much media out there, there's so much access to information. Um, I, I think net net it's, it's all good because it is good for the league. It does drive revenue, but, but, um, my focus always, when I talk to athletes, especially guys come in is like, don't the combine is going to get you some chat, but you're going to make the team based on whether or not you can perform with your pads on. And that's what we really want to focus on in these next couple months, work on the strength and conditioning and, and movement patterns that are really going to help you kind of play this sport on the field better. We want to improve your on-field performance, not necessarily how you look in underwear. <laughs> 
We are talking to former <laughs> Packers, Panthers, and Seahawks guard Mike Wall. Now, Mike, you talk about the, the athletic ability some of these players have now. I mean, you talk about the offensive linemen. I, I, I mean, you saw – uh, last year, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, Makai Beckham, he was running, uh, he's 360 pounds. He runs a 5'5". I mean, it's ridiculous what these these uh, these offensive tackles are running now. I mean, I can't wait to see what some of these tackles this year are going to run. Are you surprised of the athletic ability and the transition of what when you played the game and what they've turned into now, beast bohemians that are just unbelievable athletes? So I'll put it, I'll, I'll tell you this. Walter Jones ran a four six five. Remember that name? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember Walter Jones. Yep. Mm-hmm. Walter Jones ran a four six five. That was a that was a great tight end time about eight years ago. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I again, I kind of look at it maybe a little bit differently than a lot of people. You, you have some big, tall, heavy guys that can you know run a five five and everything. Like, but Kai Beckton's an absolute unit, man. I'm not disrespecting him at all. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a great career. I just think that on par with the amount of, you know, humans are going to evolve, continue to evolve generation to generation. But when I see these guys coming in, they're not necessarily as strong as they used to be because they don't, it's that point of emphasis isn't what it used to be, right? It's not much of a smash mouth football game. The games change, the games evolve. So we see these guys now, and I'm always kind of really interested in how they bend, how they move. Certainly a guy like Mekhi Becton like it's super, super impressive. But I look at a guy who's like 33 years old, like Trent Williams, and I go, that's probably the most impressive dude in the league right now, and he's 33. <laughs> so I see Andrew Whitworth playing at 40. I'm like, how the hell is he playing at 40? I'm 44. I feel like I'm going to die every morning. And he's playing in the Super Bowl at 40 years old. So I'm, I'm just impressed with those guys, right? I, I start getting impressed by the guys who have the durability and the sustainability of a long term to be that kind of athlete. Those guys are special, man. So back to the other side of the ball, is there a particular pass rusher or defensive lineman that was the hardest to face in your career? So who would that be and why? For me? Yeah. Oh, man, I came into the league. We were in, I was in the NFC North, so we had, uh, we had Luther Ellis. Mm. Uh, back then, Warren Sapp. <laughs> but we had this dude named John Randall from the Minnesota John Vikings. Randall. I don't know if you heard of him. Yes, of oh, man, I'll tell you the worst feeling in the world is I lined up my second year. I was starting at left guard. And uh, I remember the first third and eighth, first third down. I heard he like talked, and I heard that he like he would study the uh, the, the the media guide. Mm-hmm. I had a nickname. I was nicknamed after Ronnie Beagle, who played in the Naval Academy in 1945. My friends called me Beagle. So third and eight, man, we're in the huddle. And I just hear Beagle, <laughs> and I turn around. I was like, "Oh, I'm coming!" I turned back around. And went, "Oh shit!" Like, I'm in some real trouble. This dude was <laughs> that guy was unbelievable. He would he was so good. He would beat you. And then he would spin back into place, and then he'd beat you again and get a sack on the third move. Like, he was that nasty. <laughs> Go ahead, Tyler. Well, no, I, I, th- I thought there was more stories. No, coming. that so, was the story. So, so Mike, obviously, I, I personally think that you are kind of cut out of this Dan Campbell cloth of this is how it is. I'm going to be brutally honest and upfront. Do you have any aspirations of coaching? Just out of curiosity now, because now that I'm talking to you, I get, like, the sense that you could really get a couple of guys to go run through a wall. Yeah. I love working with athletes, man. That's my whole goal is just to make, you know, the guys that are really committed to the cause. I just want to make them as good as they can. I want to help them on that journey. Um, I do that in the private sector. Now I was in coaching for a couple years and I, I'm really, I'm fulfilled in what I'm doing now. I love working with it. You know, if I get chances to go consult with teams and work with, work, work with coaches and 
you know, I've got a coach education program, a coach development program as well. So listen, I, I love the journey. I love being a part of sports. And, and again, when you, when you find guys that are committed to the cause, like I, I wrote a paper about being a professional athlete when I was like third grade guys, you know, I, I was just had, I just interviewed Amon green. He got in a fight with his teacher in fourth grade. Cause he told me he was going to be a professional athlete. And it's like, when wow. you meet those people, right. We live that life. And, and you, all you really have to give back now is experiences and knowledge. And you meet those kind of people that are super committed, man. I just, all we want to do is help them. Well, I, I'm reading a little bit about you. And uh, by the way, we are talking to uh, ex-NFL player, Packers, Panthers, and Seahawks guard, Mike Wall. Uh, you played for Navy. What was yeah. it like playing in the Army-Navy game? Everybody talks about it. Uh, it's a crazy game. Both teams can't stand each other. What is it like playing in those big games? It's cool. It, it, the pop and circumstance around that game is awesome. And, and what's What's nuts about that game is like, I think back in the day when we were playing, both teams were like top 25. So we were, we were good, not great. And we're never going to be confused with Ohio State or anything, right? Mm-hmm. But we had pretty competitive teams. But uh, you're, you're getting these, they put these videos up on the screen during all the timeouts. And they're from all over the world. I mean, uh, you know, Bering Straits, Afghanistan, you got people <laughs> over. I mean, every base in the world is putting together these like hype videos. And you just realize like, man, people actually care about this. Like they really care. <laughs> Like, you know, days are like the whole, the work shift is stopped at these bases to watch this game. And that part of it was just, it was pretty gnarly because, you know, we're, we're working out of uh, where I think we were independent mm-hmm. and the biggest game we played every year was, was obviously Notre Dame, but that wasn't a game that we were expected to win this game. You kind of came in and I think that was the only game on that Saturday before they started having some of these like big 12 pack 12 championships on that day. That was the only game in town. So all eyes were on us. It was our time to, our time to kind of shine and, it, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, uh, it's a special moment for sure. So what was the Naval Academy experience like outside of football? What did you, what was the training oh like? God. What did you end guys, up doing? I, I wasn't built out to be in the Navy. <laughs> I always tell guys this, there, there's, there's kind of, there's three kinds of people that went to the Naval Academy. There's guys like me who I wanted to play division one college ball. And that was my option. <laughs> so there's a couple, there's a handful of guys like me. And then there's a handful of guys who like, you know, got their lunch money stolen every day in, in high school. And they were like, we're going here to make up for that. Like, we're going to be that we're going to be these hard you know, kind of cadre guys to uh, get because in, in the academy, you become uh, you, you gain authority just by getting older. Right. It's mm-hmm. not by any it's not merit based. There's a handful of those guys, too. And then there's just like really sweet spot of great high school student athletes, good dudes, probably, you know, chess club president, class president, ran some <laughs> school newspaper, whatever just good human beings and those guys are the people that should be there they should just dump the rest of us and they should all be there because i i was there and, and i love the the friends that i made the relationships that i had with, with football but I, being in the military or being at the academy really wasn't the college experience i was looking for so we all i always ask this question to guys that had a long tenured time in the league because obviously retirement can go very south for some guys they don't know how to handle it they don't know if they've planned for it correctly. Do you have any advice to the young kids now on how to kind of know when it's time and what to do during their tenure in the league so that way when it is time they're prepared for it? You know, this is probably a controversial statement because a lot of people, especially with the brand awareness that these these players have now, they're always looking to the next thing. But I always looked at it this way. They pay you an ungodly amount of money to do something that you've been wanting to do since you were six years old. You should go do it as best you can. Ride it until they buck you off. You know, go go have as much fun. Work as hard. Be the best version of yourself. I can't tell you how many teammates I had 
that I've talked to since the retirement. And they said, man, I wish I would have given it the respect it deserves. I wish I would have put in a little bit more. I could have been better. I could have done more. These guys are pro athletes, had great careers, and they're feeling that way. They have that regret, man. You never want to live with that regret. So, you know, I tell athletes now, like, you're probably going to live to be 100 years old. You want to spend your 20s, some of your 30s, doing the thing that you love as well as you can, get paid an absolute boatload of money for it. What do you got to worry about? Don't worry about anything else. You know, put yourself in place. Make sure you have, if you have interests, if you have hobbies, if you have things you want to be focusing on outside of ball, great, but never let it intersect with football. The thing that the best thing that athletes do now, the athletes of this generation, is they get a bunch of their buddies and they help them run their little businesses, mm. right? They help them manage their lives. They help them just do the, just do the things that take away from you being the best version of yourself on the field. And so when you have guys like that around you, people that you trust, people that you surround yourself with, they can be your business managers. They can kind of work on operations for you. They can kind of vet out. If you're wanting to get into NFTs, you want to get into the music business, let them do it, right? Take a chunk of money, put it aside, let them do it. Go let them explore and work on being the best version of yourself on the field because when it's over, it's over. You're not going to get that time back. You're going to have so much time during the rest of your life to kind of explore these other options. As you guys know, we are talking to former Packers, Panthers, and Seahawks guard Mike Wall. Last question for us before we let you go because we know you're a busy guy. you got a family, and you're getting ready for whatever you're going to be doing tomorrow, and we don't want to bother you too long. Your favorite Brett Favre story. Is there a, a story that you can remember that you can tell everybody about Brett Favre of the player that he is on and off the field? Well, everybody usually points to the the game, the the Monday night game against the Raiders after his dad passed away. Yes, and honestly, that was like the that was the heaviest football game I've ever. That's the heaviest thing I've ever been a part of. I mean, what he did that day is that was like that was the most legendary sports thing I've ever been a part of. I've ever seen. I mean, you can't you can't make up how well he played under those circumstances and how it's just like every single thing that day worked and how down he was. He was on tears the entire time on the sidelines. Everybody was emotional. It was nuts. Having said that, that dude was one of the best jokesters you've ever been around. (laughs) And you would, and I'll never forget. So I'm not going to name the coach, but during a preseason game, Brett's like, Hey, you need to stand in front of me. I got to take a leak. And they weren't allowed to go in the, (laughs) into the tunnel. So he ends up, on the sidelines, taking a leak all over the back of this guy's pants. <laughs> just spraying him in the middle of like the, th- you know, the second or third quarter. He's already out of the game in the preseason game. He's going like, only a quarterback could get away with doing that. <laughs> you mean only Brett Favre could get away with doing that? <laughs> yeah, Brett, let me tell you, Brett, well, Brett's the kind of guy that like he could put like he put icy hot in the front of my pad, my, my forehead pad and my, my helmet one day on a Friday after we had fast Fridays. And I'm, you put icy hot on your forehead, you start sweating, right? It gets in your eyes mm. and I'm bald. It's like, I got some real problems. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I got snot, tears everywhere. Ah, you know, and I'm thinking I am going to kill whoever did this. Like they're, this person is dead. Their car has gone. I'm going to flip their car over. I'm not sure. <laughs> But you find out it's the quarterback, and you find out not as the quarterback, it was Brett, and you go, ah, good one, man. You got me good. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and you don't want to get him angry because he'll be telling the coach to sit you. So there you go. <laughs> I know Legendary, all about that. Man. Absolutely. One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? 
Yeah, check me out on Twitter, Mike Wall sixty eight W A H L E. Mike Wall sixty eight on Twitter, and the process to perform on Instagram. Mike, we would definitely like to get you on very, very soon as the offseason progresses and free agency and then obviously the draft because you work with a lot of these kids. Maybe during our draft show, maybe we'll get you on and we'll talk a little bit about the draft. Maybe you know some of the kids that are going to be drafted in the first, second, third round. There's a lot of interior offensive linemen. Absolutely. Maybe we'll get some information from you so everybody can get to know the player and and the strengths and the weaknesses of the offensive linemen that are in this year's draft. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Uh, Former Packers, Panthers, Seahawks guard, Mike Wall. Fantastic, fantastic guy. Great stories. Brett Favre. I mean... I mean, the guy played. He played with uh, obviously Smith. I mean, he played with some great, great players that we we all talk about, and some of the fantastic stories that he tells us. It's just, it's fantastic. Some of these guys that we talk to, uh, they have a story after a story after a story. And what really is amazing about it is you don't realize some of these guys. We we know about these guys. We know about. Uh, obviously, Brett Favre and the stories because he played for the Jets, and and it, there was a couple of Jets, uh, Jet players that I know that told me a couple of stories of pranks that he did in preseason games and you know off the field that was very very funny. And then you hear from Mike, he, he's telling you uh, that guy was a prankster and a funny guy, and, and even the legendary game. I watched that game like three four times. Uh, when his father passed away, and how fan- I think he had five touchdowns in that game. Mm. He was fantastic in the game. He had one of the one of the greatest games I've ever seen on, on a football field. So fantastic, fantastic interview. Really, really nice guy. And we'll definitely get to get him on again, Speedy. So keep him in the loop. Uh, just fantastic, absolutely fantastic. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, guess what we're going to get into? We're going to get into some baseball conversation, which seems like. It keeps on progressing. It keeps on progressing. And we're going to get into uh, the Wolverines. Yes. Uh, Jawan Howard likes to uh, beat up people, beat up coaches on the sidelines. We'll get into that and what the NCAA need to do to keep these coaches in their seats when we come back here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy, Petey, Tyler Harrison. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going iOS. WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We were just talking to Packers, Panthers, and Seahawks guard, former guard, uh, Mike Wall. Very, very nice guy. Great interview. Told us some fantastic stories. Uh, Just great. And all these guys that you get on the show, Speedy, they just have great, great personalities and and told us. And and he's a teacher, you know, teacher of the game. And and just – very well spoken. A lot of these ex athletes, some of them are just like they just don't care. They come on these these shows and they just they just throw whatever they throw you a loop and they just ride with it. Mike was really really cool and down to earth. And most of the guys, most of the guests that we get on the show are just fantastic. So thank you to Mike Wall for joining us. We definitely got to get into uh, the Wolverine situation with Michigan and Jawan Howard. But before we get into that, uh, I want to get into this baseball thing and. 
Uh, before we get into the strike and the lockout, whatever you call it, uh, there are stories coming out uh, from New England. I mean, I'm sorry, not New England, from the Braves. Uh, that Freddie Freeman, who there are three teams very, very interested that are definitely on the works of trying to go after him. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, the New York Yankees, and the Chicago Cubs are the three teams. If he does not re-sign with the Braves, those are the three teams when this lockout is over that are going to gun for him. Um, it's very, very interesting when you read this story that Freddie Freeman absolutely, after they won the World Series, wanted to sign before the lockout uh, to the Braves. And uh, being that the lockout was here and they don't know when the lockout is going to be over, I, I know everybody thinks the reason why he didn't sign the contract is because after the lockout is over, there'll be more money to be won for him with the new salary cap, you know, the new way they're going to restructure the CBA for these players. But what I'm reading now is, is that Freddie Freeman wanted to be signed before uh, this lockout and that he's not happy with the, the uh, Atlanta Braves. And moving after this lockout, he could be looking to a, another de- destination. And, and, and the three teams that I've been reading, the Chicago Cubs, the New York Yankees, and the Milwaukee Brewers are the three teams that he's very much interested in, and the three teams that are very interested in landing uh, the superstar first baseman. Speedy, what are your thoughts to this story? I'm surprised because I thought the Braves would definitely have more of a push with having a lot of good contracts on their roster right now. They're not overpaying a lot of guys. They purged a lot of the old guys they had at the beginning of their initial rebuild, and now all of a sudden they've been the second or third best team in baseball for the last five years and obviously just won the World Series. So definitely surprising they wouldn't have pushed harder for that kind of a veteran leader, a guy that could be a future Hall of Famer, a guy that's been clutch. He's been very well-rounded, best first baseman in baseball right now. He's been the last three years, four years. Mm -hmm. And it's just surprising that they wouldn't have done it a a little quicker. Again, maybe they had other guys on their mind. Maybe they anticipated that, maybe, or maybe they didn't anticipate the lockout going this quickly, happening this long, whatever it was that they got kind of blindsided by it. Now I still think there's a chance he'll go back. Absolutely. I don't think I don't think he's I don't think he's frustrated. They better with them, open up their pockets because but, he's not happy. But it's it's still something where if the Brewers, let's say the Brewers, because they're in position because they have so much pitching. If Brewers, the Brewers, Cubs, and the Yankees. If the Brewers, for example, I'm just using and the Yankees are the number one team of his, pre, you know, his preference. But I, I only mention the Brewers just because they have all the pitching that they're going to push harder for offense, really, than especially because they're not going to go after any other pitching where they could overpay him if they need to overpay him because the Yankees are obviously going to spend a lot of money and even the Braves at their peak, we've seen them spend money at, at certain stretches of their history too in the '90s. Even uh, the start of 2010s with the with the two opt-ins and all those guys, so they have had their stretches too. They're not a notoriously cheap franchise either. So we'll see what ends up happening. I still think he'll end up going back eventually, but I it's, don't. It's going to it's going to be hard to, harder than they thought, though. Especially now with these other teams in the mix too, the Cubs and the Brewers. I guess you could expect it, but the Yankees were obvious. That was probably the the favorite if they left for a while. But now the Cubs and Brewers in the mix, so it's definitely going to make it spicier. <laughs> How about you, um, uh, Tyler? What What are your thoughts to um, Freddie Freeman not being very happy with the Braves, not re-signing before the lockout? Now, uh, again, I will say it again. A lot of people believe that the Braves were going to wait until the lockout is over, where they can offer him more money with the new, you know, the new rules, uh, especially with the um, uh, what luxury tax that will be, you know, obviously pushed even further. Uh, what are your thoughts to Freddie Freeman possibly parting ways? Uh, with the Braves after the lockout? 
I still say the Braves are the favorites to get him. I, I I don't think he wants to leave, and I think he wants to be there. I think right now he's just a little insulted that they didn't give him what he wanted. Could the lockout help him? It's definitely going to help him. He's definitely going to get more money post-lockout than he would have had if he had signed when he wanted to. I don't see how the Dodgers aren't linked in this. You never don't. They're not. Don't don't count them out. Their they, their their luxury tax is so high. I don't. I there's no way the Dodgers that, are involved with. That's this. great. There's but no don't way. count them out. They want him. They'll be in the mix. I'm not saying they get there's him. There's no don't chance count them in hell they have a chance to get. And him. if I'm the Dodgers and I know the Yankees I are will, involved, I'm just gonna start the bidding war just so you have to spend more. No. Well, I I, I, I there's no rumors or any stories that came out that the Dodgers are involved with Freddie Freeman. There, there are three teams that are absolutely involved with it if the Braves do not get them. And the Yankees, obviously the number one team. The Brewers have uh, slowly moved into second. And then, obviously, the Cubs in third. I don't see him going to the Cubs. Um, I see a, there's a better chance of him going to the Brewers if he stays in the National League. Uh, but I don't see him staying in the National League. If he doesn't sign with the Braves, he's going to go to the American League East from the NL East and go and play for the Yankees. That makes a lot of sense with the short porch, left, left-handed power. Uh, Yankees need a, a top-end first baseman to play that position, and that could solidify the infield that they've been wanting to solidify for a very long time. Uh, Nathan says, awesome interview with Mike. Thank uh, you. Snook says, Freddie Freeman of the Long Island Ducks. Uh, Freddie Freeman can get some alone time with Speedy's dog. He's coming to New York for sure. Mm. My dog is not in New York, Snug. And then uh, Nathan says, what about Carlos Correa? Uh, I, I don't know what's going on with Carlos Correa. Now, I, I do believe that the Yankees are interested in Carlos Correa, but there's no way the Yankees are giving Carlos Correa $300 million. No. And I, now, being that it's been pushed off after the lockout and all these other shortstops that got the contracts they got, Seager getting the $300 million contract from the Texas Rangers that he got, I can't even – Carlos Correa is the best shortstop that was available going into the offseason. He's fantastic. He's a great, great player. There is no way, and he wants to be a Yankee so bad. He grew up an Alex Rodriguez fan, and he was a Yankee fan growing up. He loved, he loved Alex Rodriguez on the Yankees. I'm telling you this right now. The Yankees aren't giving him $300 million. They're just not. I could see the Yankees offering him $240, $230, maybe. I, I mean, but there were other teams that might offer him a, a little bit more than that, and I, I don't see a team giving him $300 million, especially waiting – after this lockout, I, I think he's gonna he's gonna be saddened from the money that he's gonna get offered. He's not getting Corey Seager money. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I think Corey Seager is also kind of an exception to the market too, where he got badly overpaid by by the Rangers, a desperate move for them for a guy that's been injury prone throughout his career. Great in the playoffs was uh, the Dodgers. I think NLCS MVP and was so very is good Carlos in the Correa. Series. He's a great playoff player. So yeah, there's there's definitely some leeway there, but still ten years, three twenty five for a guy that's had a lot of these injury issues, definitely shows more desperation. I don't think that's initially going to be market value. Now, Correa might get that from one team, maybe another team, like 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 not the Rangers specifically, but a team in a similar situation might swing for the fences, just have a big name on the roster. So he might get that money from there, but it's not going to necessarily be market value. The other thing to judge, too, is Trevor Story, because he hasn't been signed yet either. I uh, That's another name that the Yankees are definitely – uh, talking because you could bring him in one year. He's very close with DJ LeMayu. Uh, DJ has been really pushing for Trevor story uh, to come to the Yankees, but I, the Yankees, they have too many good short young shortstops that 
They, they're talking Volpe could make the team. Parisi, Parisi whatever, Parazal, whatever his name is, another shortstop. Then they, they got the best young um, – Dominican Republic, uh, Dominican shortstop. Uh, he's like 16 years old. He's gonna. Some people think he's gonna be a star. And the Yankees are stocked with shortstops. They don't really need all these guys. And I, I now there are stories coming out that uh, the Yankees might be looking to move one or maybe the uh, two of these guys uh, for pitching. Uh, and Volpe came out and said that he wants to be a Yankee. He wants to have the opportunity to show his skill with the Yankees, but. The Yankees might be looking in a different way of rebuilding this team a little bit quicker. And if it is Carlos Correa, why would you keep Volpe and, and Pereza, whatever his name is? Yeah. Uh, why would they do that when you're going to have to sign Correa, who's 26 years old? You're going to have to sign him to a seven, eight, maybe nine year deal. You're going to be strapped with him. Why would you bring these guys up? You might as well use them as trade pieces for a pitcher or two. Right. Now, it's more likely, I think, for Story, only because I think, one, the LeMahieu connection, and two, I don't know if he's going to demand as much money as Correa is. Now, he's been— By the way, I heard they're moving DJ LeMahieu to possibly third. Which is interesting. I, I would I would not rule that out because he could— because Glaber Torres could play second then in that case. That's what they're and then, doing. And yeah. then you have, if you were to get Story, you'd have an infield that's familiar with each other on the left side. And that's why I think he might take a little less to go to the Yankees if the Yankees are, I don't know if the, Yan- the Yankees are going to lowball him, but they're still going to. No, they'll give him 15, 16 million. Right. That's what he's going to don't. I don't, th- I don't think they're going to give him 300 million like the Seager contract. No, they gave so. Deja LeMayu, I think they gave him a two-year 26, Well, yeah, LeMayu's contract million? was great. It was it was six years, 87, and it was. it was. No, I'm talking about the first one before oh, the they first gave one, him. Yeah. They, right. gave him a, they gave him a two-year 20, 24, or 23 <laughs> million dollar contract. I say if you want Trevor Stories, you give him a, a two-year with a one-year option, uh, a one-year one extra option, player team option, where you give him close to like $30 million. Right. I could see the Yankees doing that. Now, the other thing, or too. $33 million. The other thing, too, is because Story has been more durable in his career, too, but the Yankees having all these other injury-prone players, do they want to take a chance on a thing like Correa? Now, I don't think either of these guys are going to be signed right away once this lockout does I don't end either. because I do think – the teams are going to have trouble trying to decide a market value because I don't think Seager is going to be the base of the market. And I also think Correa is definitely going to be pushing for the more money. He has, I know the, the Astros cheated, so it's not going to be a legitimate championship, but in his mind, he'll think that way. Could the Astros give him a one-year deal and he goes back to the Astros and wait until the offseason after the lockout? They tend to funnel away players quickly, so I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think Correa is going to chase the money because I think he's going to chase that big contract. I think he'll get it from a not necessarily a, a contending, a massive World Series contending team. Could the team, Yankees kind of give him that tier. contract? The Yankees probably could, but you're right. I think the Yankees aren't going to approach it like that, where they're going to push hard if they if it does get too steep, the price does later. I think these guys are going to be negotiated for for quite a while, and both Story and Correa are going to try to budge you did, and try to set the market. You did hear uh, from Brian Cashman that he will never give another player more than a seven-year contract. He already came out and said that. He's he's not going to offer anything more than that, so he, I think he's going to stay stern on that. Uh, even even with uh, and I do believe Aaron Judge when this is over, the Yankees will figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to renegotiate Aaron Judge's contract and extend him. Uh, I I do believe the Yankees will do that first or e- even second or whatever they do with Correa. Now, if they do decide to bring in Correa, I I, I would say Aaron Judge is as good as buy. I mean, I I don't see them giving Aaron Judge. Because if you're going to give Carlos Correa 240, you have John Carlos Stanton, who has, is still under. He's going to be making at least 200 million dollars more. 
Uh, I mean, you're going to have to give Glaber Torres if you decide to keep him, uh, uh, you know, an extension. I mean, there, there's too many guys that you're going to have to pay, and I, I don't see the Yankees doing that. I, I really, they made out with DJ LeMay. Right. They really did. DJ LeMay taking that six-year, $80 million or $90 million, that was a steal for the Yankees. He didn't have a good year last year. I still expect it. I still think, what is he, 31, 32? I still think yeah. he has three more good years at hitting uh, left, uh, you know, left in him where I think he still can hit. I just had an off season last year, so they got to they got to win on that. I think they got a a win on the center fielder that can't stay healthy. Hicks, yeah. Hicks, I think he's a win. I mean, obviously he can't stay healthy. When Aaron Hicks does play, he's a top ten, uh, you know, center fielder in this league. He can give you power on both sides of the plate, uh, and, and he can do the things that you need him to do. But I do believe that the reason why the Yankees gave him that extension is because it's a it's a good it's a good contract where if he has a good year this year and they decide, hey, you know what? We can move Aaron Hicks at the trade deadline and get something back for him, a pitcher back for him. They'll do that because you can find a center fielder that can play defense. You don't need a lot of power in that you know, in that center field position, especially with Giancarlo over there and Aaron Judge on the other side. So I think the Yankees are set where uh, they could do a lot of different things, and they have a lot of pieces that they can move uh, with the the players that they have. I mean, I mean, Tyler, you're a Yankee fan, uh, and obviously we know what you think of of the team and the organization right now. Uh, I, I mean, everything that we've said, uh, Carlos Correa, Freeman, I do believe one one superstar will be a Yankee after this lockout. Who do you think it is, and where do you think the Yankees go when this lockout is over? I don't want either of them. I want freaking pitching. That's what I want because the Yankees can't pitch. The problem is pitching. They have no bullpen help. They have no starting help after Garrett Cole. There's a lot of great bullpen players available. That's great. And I've been hearing no links to anything other than Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa. I certainly do not want Carlos Correa's attitude here. Um, I would love Trevor Story. I think Trevor Story is going to be one of those guys that comes here, plays baseball, and just Keeps his hold, mouth hold, shut. hold on one second. You, you, so let me get this straight. You would rather Trevor Story, who, let's be honest, is not a great playoff player. Matter of fact, hasn't done anything in the playoffs. Half to a guy, to, a, to a guy player. like Carlos Correa, who is one of the best playoff right-handed hitters in baseball. Okay, it doesn't. Some of the stuff that you say doesn't make sense, Tyler. I mean, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa. Who do I want? I, if you could get Carlos Correa for $230, $220 million, I would take that in a heartbeat over Trevor Story. Great. Carlos Correa is that much better than Trevor Great. Story. Haven't you been the one for the past, like, eight weeks mm-hmm. every other day shouting Volpe, Volpe, Volpe from the mountaintop? Yep. Okay. So mm-hmm. you want to create another log jam and then, what, move Carlos Correa? When he's 33, 34, so Volpe can be a shortstop How about this? How about this? Uh, They could decide. Volpe is going to take a couple of years to get to the position. They could decide. You told me he could be ready by spring. That's true, but they they can hold on to Volpe. They don't have to rush him up. And they have Pariza, who they could trade and do whatever they want with him. Maybe they decide, you know what? Gleyber Torres has a good year. Let's trade him for a pitcher. We can get a fantastic pitcher for Gleyber Torres and, and bring Volpe up as the second baseman for right now in the beginning. As he fo- grows into the position, you maneuver Carlos Correa to second base, which, let me guess, 
Um, we've seen this before. We've seen this with teams over the years. Move Correa to second, and then move eventually move Volpe to the shortstop position, and then you solidify your infield for many, many years to come. The Yankees could absolutely do that if they feel that Carlos Correa is a better fit than Gleyber <coughs> Torres is, especially if he starts the season strong uh, as well as he, I believe he will have this season, who started off very slow this year because of injury. Do you live in like Candyland? I don't live I, in Candyland. What I need, what I need is I I need. Answers. I know you live. I'm in candy, so sick and candy tired land. of Yankee fans shouting like best paid scenario. Okay, newsflash: you haven't been right in like six years. That's why the New York, not you, as in just you, but there are Yankee fans. Oh, we're gonna get A, B, and C, and then we're just gonna run off the mountaintops. Okay, so let's just say you're, this won't happen. But let's just say you get Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa. Great. You have no catcher worth noting a damn. You have no center fielder worth giving a damn. Jason Dominguez says he wants to be up by 21. That's what, two years from now? Okay. Aaron Hicks has played about, what, 80 games the past three years? Come on. You guys cannot stop living in this fancy land of, oh, well, the Yankees will just figure it out, and they'll all fall in the lap. No. You need to actually have a plan. So LeMahieu goes to third base. Urshela, thank God he's gone. Why would you move? They're going to keep Gio Urshela as the backup third baseman. You can move him around at shortstop, first, you know, first base. Gio Urshela is not going to take it. He he was a he's borderline making, all-star last year. Gio Urshela was not a borderline all-star last year. I don't know what you're talking about. He did not have a great year last year. I, I'm I could sorry, go to Gio, not last year, the year But, but that's what I'm that. talking about. He's a free agent this year. Great, not so don't get, bring him back at all. They're going to bring him back. He wants to be here, and you could get him back on the cheap. You're not going to have to overpay Gio Oshella, okay? Uh, Gio Oshella last year, let's see, 267, 14 home runs, uh, 460, 420 at-bats, How many 49 games? RBIs. Um, doesn't say games right here. 420 at-bats, so you do the math. He's got to play. He's played over 100 games. So, I mean, that's... Those aren't terrible numbers, but regardless... 14 home runs and 49 RBIs, I mean... The RBIs, the RBIs is a very misleading stat. He bats seven or eight. Two sixty-seven. I mean, the year before that, he had a better season. No, that's why I was I was referring to that one. But whatever, neither here nor there. All I'm saying is, you can't keep telling me that we're gonna go get these guys. Get a freaking pitcher. Build a pitching staff. Clearly, Atlanta knows what they're doing. They built a pitching staff. Milwaukee, they know what they're doing. They built a pitching staff. The Dodgers don't count because the Dodgers just buy everything. <laughs> The New York Mets, they're building a pitching staff. Well, they bought it, too. But yeah. well, well, regardless, they're building it. DeGrom's there the now. The Mets have always had a good pitching staff, and it never worked out. None of them did, ever. That's Go fine. look at their pitching staff. It that never worked out. They've had and all these aces, all these aces, and never worked for the Mets. I'm going to tell you one more thing. Go ahead. If Garrett Cole has another bad playoff run, how he had this year, I would even be open to moving Garrett Cole. Yeah, you're out of your mind. Why? You're on drugs. So he's a top five pitcher in the game. That's great. You can't Maybe you can't pitch in New York in the big moment. Mm. You can't go to Boston, get shelled like that, and then have another bad postseason performance mm-hmm. and not have people start questioning you. That's just not going to happen. The New York Yankees have to do something because Brian Cashman, quite frankly, hasn't put a World Series contender on his own in about four years. Any team that makes the playoffs is a World Series contender. Anybody, any team that makes That's the playoffs great. 
is a World Series contender. That's great. And it's stupid that you say that it's no, not. No, it's not. Yes, if, it is. If you stop. Yes, it is. Take your Yankee goggles it's off. It's not Yankee and goggles. And look at the division. That's the best division in baseball. That's right. And the Yankees were two games away from finishing fourth. <laughs> and missing the playoffs altogether. And if the Yankees. Toronto's going to be better. Boston will probably be better. How, how and is, then you've got Tampa How Bay. is Toronto going to be better? Let's hear. Because the young kids are going to be freaking uh, uh, better. Young kids who? who? What young kids? Kevin Biggio will be better. That's fine. That's Lager hitters. Guerrero is going to be just That's the hitters. Same. That's hitters. All Boba hitters. Bichette's going to be better. All hitters. Yeah, go ahead. And the We're pitching talking about staff of Toronto was better than the Yankees uh, last really? year. Really? Uh, the second they're, half, they're I'd not, say so. They're, they're not bringing back their ace. He's gone. He's gone. He's no longer with them. You make Robbie, a face. Ra- Robbie Ray he's is gone. There. Yes, he's gone. Cy Young Award are in there. Gone. He's not with the Blue Jays. So where? Where'd he Ooh. go? Who? He's not with them. But where'd he go? I don't know. He signed somewhere else. He didn't Who? go with them. Go look Seattle. where Robbie. I think it was Seattle. Go where Robbie. He is not with the the Blue Jays. So they're not the same team. And you're going to sit here and say they're going to be a better team. They're not a better team. They're a worse team. So you you don't know what you're talking about. You're sitting you here. You hope they're a worse. They team. are a worse team. They you lost their. They well. lost their ace. They lost their number one guy, the Cy Young winner. He goes over there to another team, Seattle, where they're going to have to play him four or five times. Okay, whatever. How many times they play him a year? Yeah, five years, one fifteen was his contract in Seattle. He's not. He's so the oh. the Blue Jays are not bad. <laughs> Kevin Galsman's there. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, they got Galsman year five years, one ten. Yes, he did. Jose Barrios is there. Mm-hmm. He's freaking good. Oh yeah, he's he's Ryu. Wonderful. Ryu had a rough year, but he's probably he's always he, every other year he's good. He's. And then that's, Manoa was a good kid they had yeah, in the second half of the season. Again, and then the Mona kid was nine and two. Yes, and the only we'll and the only the only pitcher that bullpen's a lot better. Only, than the only let, let's Cosman is coming to the American League at the American League East. He's never played in a division that good. Okay, Gosman's going to get smashed. Okay, he's I you you're going to fill Gosman in. For Robbie Ray, oh, that's that's great. The Cy Young winner for a guy that's never played in the American League East that has to play against Bombers. Yeah, yeah. For how long? For how long? Six, six, years. Six, seven yeah, years. He was on a shitty Orioles team. <coughs> what does that mean? It's, it's, and it's, no, he was probably there when they were born. Yeah, one play, team. one playoff appearance. Let's let, let's look at Gosman's numbers. No, his numbers were never great. Okay. He had upside. He, they were never great with the Orioles, but, you but can't that's also say the that, Orioles. Whatever he learned in San Francisco clearly worked. So whatever he's doing now works. Let's let's look at Gosman's numbers when he was in Baltimore. Uh, while you do that, Snuck says uh, Freeman would be the best match with the Brewers. Five point six six, three point five seven, four point two five, three point six one, and four point six eight. Yeah, wonderful. He's great. Absolutely two of those, two fantastic. Of those are pretty good. Absolutely fantastic. Two of them are pretty good. Mm. I, I don't know how you say two of them are pretty good because a mid three ERA when you play the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Raised three twice. and five, seven and seven, four and seven, nine and twelve. Wonderful. Eleven and twelve. He's never had a he had one. He had one. Just admit the Yankees are in trouble uh, here. Why I, can't you just say I, that? I don't think that they are. I, I they don't were know. a game away from finishing fourth last year. Yeah, fourth, fourth in their and own the, division, and they made the playoffs and by a the, game. By a game because the last three games they had to play another division game, and they were right on the earth again getting that wild card game at home. So I don't know what you're talking about, Tyler. And again, the Yankees made the playoffs. Any team that makes the playoffs is a World Series contender. So you sit here and you say. 
whatever you want, and and you you complain and cry about it. I'm, I'm not, not going to say yes, anything. you are. Because uh, what am I crying about? You're a typical. You're a typical. Cry no, 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 no. Wants no, players. No, no, no. And no. want them to buy See, players. Fans like you make fans, me sick because you want everything in the world. No, and I you, don't. You I'm not sitting here. I'm not. You sitting said here. they were going to get Frank Freeman and Carlos I, Correa. I did not say that. Did I say that? You said Freeman. Freeman. I said Freeman. Freeman is a favorite, and you said you wouldn't be surprised if they got Correa too. If they get one, they're not getting the other. They're not getting both of them, you idiot. Well, now you're backtracking your statement. You said you wouldn't be surprised if they got. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Play it back. Play everything back. Play Play everything back. back. You know what what I'm sick of? Sitting here and listening to your big mouth with the Yankees. Crying about this guy. Crying about Aaron Boone. They do the same thing every offseason. And you continue to praise Brian Cashman. Crying about this. Oh, they they bring in Matt Scherzer. So let's jump off a bridge. Blah, 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 blah. You know what's going to be funny? You know what's going to be funny? When Max Scherzer comes in, he gets hurt from the Mets, and you'll make another excuse that the Yankees should have made that move, even with the injury that Max Scherzer has. Is Max Scherzer not better than every Yankee not named Garrett Cole? Who cares? What does that matter? Right now, And it's the biggest weakness on the team? No, the bullpen is the biggest weakness of the Yankees' team. Uh, The Yankees' ERA pitching for the last five years have been amongst the league's top ten. What's the best way to get a bad bullpen better? Uh, Have your starters go deeper in games. And and again, I'm going to tell you. Okay, then. And and here I'm going to go again. If you go look at the Yankees' ERA and whip, whip in the last five years amongst the league's top ten starting pitching, in all the baseball. You're also the same guy in all the baseball. Britain. So I don't really, you know what? Their bullpen is their weakness. That's what they need to clean up, and that's what right. they'll clean up. Right. Snark says, I'm not sure anyone would give Correa $300 million. Nope. If he gets $250 million, he would have done well. Nithin says, let's go Yankees. I think the Yankees should sign Freddie Freeman and Carlos Rodon for pitching. Carlos Rodon has been linked to the Yankees. He has been. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't fit New York. Why? You know that? He's a left-handed southpaw that so doesn't Lefties throw very hard. He's going to be a whole... You know what? Filling. Sign him, and when he gives up 30 home runs, okay. and you go, oh, I wish I would have saw that coming, I'll say I would have told a lot you of, There's a lot of pitchers that said they didn't fit with the Yankees and have fit with the Yankees, and a lot of pitchers that did uh, that everybody thought was going to fit with the Yankees didn't. So I, I, there's a lot of them. Oh, I, I can write. Right. There's a bunch yeah, of people. Right. <laughs> there's a bunch of people that didn't fit with the Yankees. Vasquez didn't fit with well, the Yankees. Both times. I mean, but but there were other pitchers that did fit with the Yankees that nobody thought were going to fit with the Yankees. So, I, I, again, I, I don't think it's starting pitching that the Yankees have to worry about. I think the, the, the main concern with the Yankees is what the bullpen is going to be starting in the new year after this strike and this lockout is over with all these relief pitchers that are going to be available. And there's still a ton of them available. And I expect Brian Cashman, if I – this team probably has all these contracts already. I mean, obviously, you, you can't talk to these players right now because it's locked out, and it, it's against you know leak you know tampering tampering rules that they have. No, because that doesn't get broke every day. Well, I believe. I believe what that once this lockout is over, the, you'll hear that the Yankees have this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. They're going to bring in relief pitching because they need to clean up whatever this this bullpen is moving forward. I, I don't know what they're doing with Zach Britton. I did hear that the Yankees were thinking about moving Zach Britton. Oh, thank God, please. Um, I but Chapman will be back for his last year. I expect it. I mean, that's what I've been hearing. Uh, Lewisica was fantastic last year. Chad Green is available. I do believe the Yankees will resign him. I think they'll extend him. Uh, he the problem with Chad Green is he can't 
he they wear him out. He he wears out yeah. uh, you know too much. They don't know where you know at certain games they'll put him in the fifth inning, then they'll put him in seventh inning, they'll put him in the ninth inning. Uh, I think Chad Green needs to have a position where he fits and he stays at that position. And that's where the lack of depth I think hurt them at certain points too, because they had to use Chad Green in so many different roles. So and I I do believe the Yankees will land two or three relief pitchers in free agency that will fit where they are. I don't know if they'll trade for one, a.k.a., uh, you know, Haddon, whatever his name Hater. is, Hater over there with the mill. I don't know what the Yankees are planning to do uh, when this God help you if you bring back this uh, Adam Adovino. What? God help us if they bring back Adam Adovino. They're not bringing him back. I've never, I, first of all, the Red Sox aren't. Did the Red Sox give him an extension? No, he's a free agent right now. Yeah, they're not bringing it back out. He's 36 years old. Yeah, so. They're not bringing it back. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal, Brad Hand, Dellen Batances, Yuri Familia, Joe Kelly, Chris <laughs> Martin, Alex Colomay, there's Archie a lot. Bradley. Yeah, there's, a, there's a good variety. There's a lot. Oh, your guy, Greg Holland, still available, too. There's a lot. There's a lot of guys. That are, and, and, and listen, uh, uh, the, Nithin keeps saying Luis Severino in the bullpen. They're not keeping Luis Severino in the bullpen. Oh, there's no way they're doing that. Severino will play. He'll be there. Second guy, they'll have their second. Luis Savarino will be their second guy, uh, as far as their rotation is concerned. They're not. They're not moving him back into the bullpen. He'll have. He's been pitching this offseason. I've been reading a lot of good things with Luis Savarino so far since the lockout. Uh, there was a story that a kid, a, a kid wrote that follows the Yankees. Uh, he's a big Yankee fan, and and he says that Luis Savarino is back. He's throwing ninety eight, ninety seven right now. So. Uh, I, I expect Luis Severino to come back strong uh, right behind Garrett Cole, uh, being that he has the whole offseason to throw. Either way, Nathan, it's, it's not a formality yeah. league anymore. P- p- pitchers can be both, so they yeah. might use him in both roles. Yeah, but he's, he's going to be a starter. He's going to be a starter most of the season. I think, like I said last year, what they did at the beginning of – at the end of the season when he came back is they were trying to – one, ease him into the That's game. That's why they put him in the bullpen. They put him Do in the bullpen, the but also to prepare him for the playoffs, too, because he wasn't good as a starter in the playoffs. So maybe they were trying to oh, think. Hey, was he coming back from a big game? No, no, no. I mean, in general, like his whole Yankee career, he's been pretty bad in the playoffs for the most part. So That's maybe... not why they put him in the bullpen. They put him in the bullpen because he came off two major surgeries and he barely played all season long, came back with the last 15, 20 games of the season. You think they're going to start him in the rotation? That's stupid. That's not smart. It has nothing to do what he's what he's done in the playoffs. That has everything to do with his injuries, and and the Yankees didn't want to put him in harm's way. That's the facts, okay? And they have the kid who looked really really good last year, Gill, uh, yeah. Gill, who was fantastic last year in their rotation. He's a big prospect for the Yankees. I expect him to take leaps uh, going into this season as well. He'll be he'll be his their fourth or fifth guy. And uh, what's his name? Get a lefty who had fantastic year this year too. Uh, uh, who's the lefty who came back from a uh, torn, um, torn uh, UC? Oh, Montgomery. Jo- Montgomery. Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery, who looked really good this year. He really did. Uh, he was the best pitcher. Uh, he was the best pitcher in the second half of the season mm-hmm. for the Yankees. So uh, he'll be their third guy. So I, I do believe the Yankees might bring uh, you know a veteran starting pitcher, but I expect the Yankees this off you know when this lockout is over to solidify whatever this bullpen is. Moving forward, they need to bring in bullpen help. It is definitely uh, a concern uh, this year. It's been the concern. This was the best bullpen. Taylor is coming back. They they have Taylor coming back. He's gonna the Yankees. You never have enough depth in your rotation. It just you never. And the Yankees got like six, seven guys in their rotation right now. I expect the Yankees to bring in another veteran guy. I, I if 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 there's a guy, oh, they'll trade for. 
uh, the kid from Cincinnati, Castillo, which I've been, yeah. which everybody believes that the Yankees are still in the works of top probably doing. But I, I still think that the Yankees are planning to bring in relief pitching. It's definitely a weakness. And I, I one of these guys, either Correa, Freeman, somebody they're going to bring in uh, of of name. I don't know who they're. Carlos Rondon. I, I listen, Carlos. If they bring Carlos Rondon in, they only bring Carlos Rondon as an add-on. Matthew Boyd, no, they're not bringing. He'll him be a depth him. piece if they yeah. if they do get him. He's still on the younger side, yeah. but he's not going to get more than a three year deal. They're not. Br- Don't they're- be surprised if it's Kershaw, and I'm not saying that because he's gonna he's not going to demand a lot of money. It's going to be the name. The Yankees I like think he'll go back to the Dodgers. It probably will. Yeah, he probably is. He probably they'll is. Bring I'd it, put money on him going back to the Dodgers. They'll bring they'll, it, they'll bring in a veteran pitcher that a very uh, a name that they can revive this year for this rotation. But I I, I don't I, I, I think it's more more unlikely the Yankees are gonna go with relief pitching and, and, and a big name. I if Freeman somehow falls out of, you know, whack with the Braves, I, I think Freeman the Freeman the best chance for Freeman to go anywhere is the Yankees. So here's another one that's a little more under the radar, but he's younger and doesn't have a lot of mileage in his arm is you say Kikuchi too. Thirty years old, he pitched well last year for Seattle. That could be a name they could look at as well. You know what's crazy? I think the Mets are more linked to him than the Yankees are. I've heard that too. Mm-hmm. And the Met, the Mets don't. I don't know if the Mets necessarily would need him as much, but because the Mets need a lot of bullpen help too. They and their rotation, the Mets rotation, besides Max Scherzer and uh, what's his name again, Degrom, Degrom yeah. are the only real guys that you can count on. The right. other guys, the, the, the three, four, five, six, the, the Mets starting rotation is not good. It, it really isn't. So you could sit there. Yeah, they have two fantastic pitchers, no question. They pitch every fifth day. Well, yeah, they got the other guys. The, uh, Walker, you're going to trust Walker? In the second half of the season, it was horrible. I mean, they got nobody in their third, fourth, fifth, I mean, sixth row. No, Walker's no, still, he's there. still there. He's still there. He's still there. They got Tyler McGill, who was good at, yeah. in the month of July and August, that gonna, he fell off. And you're going to trust him? Yeah. Uh, David Peterson is the guy that yeah, you're let's hoping, trust him. hoping trust they him. get bounced back because he did well in the lockout shortened season, but then struggled last year, too. So. Let's trust him. So they're going to have to trust to make that kind of thing work. Hopefully Buck Showalter could put something together with that. But, the, yeah, the Mets could definitely go after another one of those guys, too. Kikuchi Boyd is 31. The so. Mets are not bringing in any more big-name guys. They're not spending – they just gave Max Scherzer the biggest contract, the biggest pitching contract in baseball history. I don't know what Mets fans think that the, this guy's going to do. He spent $750 million in two years. Okay, I don't. I, I, he's not going to be going on a spree where he's going to be bringing in this guy, that guy, that guy, this guy. He already brought in uh, the big names. Uh, the next other guys that they're going to bring in are re- maybe relief right. pitchers veteran, vet- or veteran starters that aren't going to be not costly. anything, not anything big. And, and and I'm telling you right now, this rotation, I as good as Max Scherzer and and Jacob Degrom is, and they can win every time they get on the mound. It's not going to make a difference no. if the other guys are. If the Mets actually give DeGrom run support, that would be helpful. No, they will. I, listen, the Mets, I don't expect their shortstop uh, in um, uh, Lindor. What, Lindor is going to have the season he had last year. I, I think he'll be better this year. I do. I think this this lineup, it, it, it'll be better. I don't know how much better, but they'll be better. McNeil is better than he was last year, okay? One can only hope. Uh, he's definitely better. He's a he better, might not even play full-time either now, though. They so might trade right. him. I, yeah. I don't know, but McNeil, he's a better hitter than he was. And Nimmo, who had a really good year last year, he's not even going to be starting center fielder. And he's not happy with that. Well, yeah, they're going to platoon a lot based on 
the fact that they have a lot of specialist type guys. Dominic Smith's another specialist type guy. They still got J.D. Davis there. They're probably going to move one of them, but McNeil's kind of in that realm too now, getting Eduardo Escobar too. And then there's also the factor of uh, Brett Beatty, who's a top third base prospect. He might come up this year too. They were thinking he was ready last year, but I don't think they brought him up because of the. I remember when they traded, uh, yeah. drafted him. Yep, and that was a van wagoning. Yes, and yes. he yeah he fell he fell later than expected to the Mets, kind of like freaking Kumar Rocker, but then he didn't sign with the team. But <laughs> nevertheless, he's another joke when the yeah. Mets fans heard. Oh, nevertheless, I heard all the Mets fans <laughs> so happy when Rocker was. They got Rocker, and all of a sudden he falls out. I remember Jeff brought post something up. He says, oh, what happened to Rocker? I remember Josh. He was, like, so excited. And then Rocker winds up not even being with right. the, the – not even staying with the team because yeah. he can't even – his arm is completely dead. Yeah. So but even so, even so, if Beatty comes up this year, I don't know if he'll come up at the start of the season, especially if it's a shortened season, but they'll probably have him come up at some point. So then McNeil becomes potentially, depending on how he plays, a trade deadline chip or yeah. a, a versatile bench player. It's going to be interesting. It really is. But then this lockout is over. I expect, I, I expect the Yankees to make some significant moves. I, I, I do believe one big name out of the bunch that we still hear that are still available. One of them are going to go to the Yankees. I, I believe. I, I believe that. As far as the rotation, I, I don't see the Yankees making drastic moves at the rotation unless they go after uh, the kid from Cincinnati. That that's mm-hmm. it. I, I I don't see anything else out there that really stands out for the Yankees to say, oh, let's get this guy. I, I don't see it. As far as the rotation, the, the relief pitching, I expect the Yankees to jump on two or three of these guys that are available uh, in, in free agency. That's yeah. what I think. Uh, according to Spotrax, yeah. Carlos Rodon's market value, Nathan, just to put it in perspective, is 24, about $24.08 million. What, a year? Uh, uh, yeah, per year is what they're thinking. He had a great year last year. He was a Cy Young candidate before he got hurt. Mm. So, yeah, he's going to get a lot. So, again, we'll have to see if the Yankees are the team that give him that if kind of money. If they bring him in, they're not going to go – if they bring in Rendon, they're not going to go after any trades or anything like that. Yeah. And, and I don't see Correa or Freeman because right. the Yankees are going to pay a pitcher that much money when he's demanding $25 million a year. But right. What and the Reds are not go? going – the Reds yeah. are not going to want to trade Castillo for just a rental no. type scenario unless it's later in the season, like if, this, if the lockout does extend where the season one of those shorts, late. They're going to want one of those shortstops. Uh, Perez or or Volpe and somebody else to get to, to get that done. I'm not sure about that, but that's what they go, they're going to want. They're going to want one of their top shortstops. No, because they just they got their kid. What what's the uh, well? They can move Perez at sec- second base or Volpe at second base. Um, so India's third base. Yeah, is, is that the one you're thinking? Well, Senzel, yeah, but Senzel could also do uh, outfield too. So. The fact yeah. is, is that you could get a top prospect from the Yankees at that market price. They'll do it. I mean, he's a good. Both of those guys are going to be great players. They're saying Pereza. He's 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 a little bit. They they don't want to rush Volpe. Pereza might be up before Volpe this year. Okay, that's what they're saying because they don't want to rush Volpe up because they they right. they believe in this kid and they believe this kid's going to be a star. Pereza is a he's an absolute. Gunslinger, and, and the, he's a great defensive player, and he's he's definitely improved offensively uh, at the, at his position. So uh, everybody believes that both guys could be starters in the league. Uh, so. Nathan says, "The do you think the Yankees have deals in place for Freeman and Correa? Not right now. No, they're not, they're not getting both of them. <laughs> they're not right. They're now. not getting both of them." Uh, up to the players to end the lockout, and the Yankees will have three Luis in the rotation if they make that trade. Yes, yes, they would. Yes, but I... I'd... Unless Gil goes in the trade, though, too, he could. Yeah, they better not do that. They better not do that, because 
Gill is uh, there. He's been very impressive last year. He was very impressive for the Yankees. Uh, he looked as good as they that that you know what people were saying as a prospect he was, and he's only going to get better. Uh, he could eventually turn out to be an ace for the Yankees. Why would they trade him? I, it would be stupid. If the Yankees trade Gill, it, it's a it's a dumb move by the organization. I, I can't see it. What, wait, what was his record last year? Was he a 9-3? Yeah, he won his first five starts. He had a little bit of a slump, I think, in August, like late August, and then he bounced back kind of in their playoff stretch run. Yeah, and they put him into – they put him in the – they didn't put him in the Roche. They put him in the – Yeah, they were, uh, they were trying to limit his innings, I think, for the playoffs too uh, because they were prepping him for that kind of versatile role because they knew Severino was coming back. They didn't want to throw him in right away to, I guess, that kind of role for the for a playoff scenario. Now, that's pretty random. It could work, an unknown pitcher, because usually a rookie pitcher gets the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time because you, you don't have tape on them mm. where you don't know what their tendencies of what they're going to throw and stuff like that. I'm trying to look at He played six games last year. A 307 ERA. I'm just trying to look at his numbers, his whip. I don't see his whip. His whip was 1.33. That's pretty good for mm-hmm. a young kid. That's good. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's going to be good. I, we'll see how <laughs> he, he translates into this year. And Obviously, teams have seen him six games this year. Let's see how he plays. Uh, his war is pretty good, too, 0.8. Yeah, that's pretty good that's for pretty a back, good end, yeah. back end of the rotation pitcher. Only main concern maybe is a little bit with the walk-to-strikeout ratio, 38-19, but that could get better over time, too. So. Yeah, he's a young player. He's, he's a young 21, yeah. what is he, 21 years old or something like that? He, 23. He's a 23-year-old Dominican. So, uh, I, listen, I, I, I don't see the Yankees trading him. I'll tell you that right now. It'd be stupid. I mean, they, they have a young pitcher that could be uh, – uh, a future pu- future second guy or third guy, maybe even first guy in a rotation. Why would they do that? So I, I don't see them doing it. He has to develop a third pitch. That's something that he needs to do. He's got two really good pitches. I think his, his changeup and his fastball, that's right. what he's got. Yeah, he's got he's got some wild, weird curveball. I think it's a slurve or something like that yeah. that isn't as fully developed yet. But did get some strikeouts. But, yeah, still was a, a, the he basis for create, a lot of his He needs to develop too. that third pitch. If he does that, he's going to be a dangerous pitcher. He's really good. He's got a good changeup. He's got a good fastball. His fastball is pretty good. <laughs> Does he? I think he has a two seam and a four seam. But oh, that's good if that's the case. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. he has a two th- seam and a four seam. But I'm talking about that third dominant pitch. Yeah, the breaking pitch yes. that is going to make it change direction, change he doesn't speed. Have one. Because a lot of times young pitchers are just going on overthrow it a lot of the time too, where they're just relying on velocity. But if he already has the changeup and can change speeds like that, you get a breaking ball that's maybe a hard slider or a hard curveball to go along with that, and then a softer one that could be more like a a, a seventy. Eight mile an hour or seventy five something to change speeds like that to go along with the hard stuff. Well, we'll see. I mean, ERA and WHIP are the things that you look at, not the wins. I, I mean, right. that's what the they're, they're projected of two thousand twenty two, which they never ever write three point eight four WHIP one point two six seven. So that's what they're projecting. So all right, so they expect the ERA to go up in a larger sample, I guess, mm-hmm. is what they're judging. Plus, again, with the strengths of that division, too, it could be hard in the full, the full year. Yeah. Even though I don't know if the Red Sox will necessarily be that as good as they were last year either. We'll see. Because they're I, always a fluky team. They're... They got some two really good young players they're bringing in. Oh, sure. Yeah, so <laughs> their first baseman that they're probably bringing up this year. I, I think the Red Sox will be good. I, that division will oh, that division's going to be good, and – I know that Baltimore was looking to trade their their center fielder. Yes, the, the, uh, which, Mullins. Yeah, yeah which, please, no. 
Well, I, I, the Yankees aren't interested in him anymore. They were. They're not interested in him now. But um, there will be teams like the Red Sox. Uh, I know that the eight, not going to that uh, Jap- Japanese kid is still available, that nobody brought him in before the strike. I expect him to be signed by the Red Sox. I mean, that, they were the lead team to get him. What's his name again? Suzuki. Suzuki. His first name, yeah. uh, they they were the they were the team that were that were going to get him. So I expect the Red Sox to still land him. Yeah, I don't know how much his market might diminish too, just because of how. I don't think so because of how the this lockout might affect. It's going to get one hundred and sixty million unless he does play in Japan in their season first. If the Red it, Sox if it does extend him, the Red Sox are going to pay him. <laughs> I guarantee you, the Red Sox are going to pay him. I don't know how much money they have, but they're going to pay him. Snuck says he's got oh, that cupcake. Snuck says he's got, million. he's got that cupcake curveball so sweet you can't chase it enough. And mm. JBJ is back in center field. Yes, they swapped Renfro to the Brewers for getting Jackie Bradley back. Yeah, uh, which is good. I, I think Jackie Bradley was a good Red Sox. So I don't. I, I thought that the Mets were going to get him. I really thought that Jackie Bradley was going. Yeah, to the he Mets. was. They were rumored for a lot of different center fielders before they, they ended up going for. Well, no, no, they got the, the better time, one before they got Marte. They were. Mar- they got the better one. Marte is fantastic. I, honestly, out of all the moves that the Mets made this offseason, Marte was the best one. I think Marte <coughs> is going to fit great. He steals 50, 60 bases. Mark Connor is going to be a name that yeah. fans enjoy too. I like him a lot too. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be a great defensive outfield. Nemo, him, and uh, Marte running around. I, I think Marte's. I think Marte was the guy. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how these guys play in New York because you know when you come to New York, well, Robbie uh, Cano's there to lead them. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly what that you need. Oh, here, here's some illegal drug you can take now. <laughs> I mean, I, oh god, Robbie. Uh, he would have been. Uh, he would have went down as the greatest second baseman to ever play. It, it just ruined his whole career. Like, it really did. <laughs> horrible. It's a horrible story. A fantastic hitter. But the eight years, <laughs> yeah. seven well, years when he was the Yankees, he was fantastic. Yeah, he was power second baseman Special. before there was a thing. Special. So him and Jeff Kent were really the only ones at the, the, for, the, for, what, a decade of baseball? Well, Soriano was good, too. Yeah, but he kind of fell off once he got to the Washington and then with the Cubs, too. He had 400 home runs. No, I know that. He's no, not, I know that. He, his peak not, years he, were phenomenal. His peak years were in left field. I know his peak years were with the Yankees. His peak years with the Yankees, I mean, uh, and then second base, and then he had one great year with the Nationals too. But then he had forty and forty with the Yankees yeah. twice, I think. Right, his years in Chicago are pretty damn good. They're pretty some good of them, with the but Yankees. not for the some of them, but not for the contract that he ended up signing with the Cubs. That I didn't mean, last his years us. with the Yankees were pretty damn good. Uh, Alfonso Soriano. I, I mean, the Yankees. Honestly, I think the Yankees. He wasn't a Yankee as long as you think he was. <clears throat> he was a Yankee a while. They trade him for 1999 to 2003. Six, yeah, almost six years. Yeah, he had he had one f- near 40-40 season. 2002 is the year we're referring to. He had 209 hits that year. Led the league in runs scored. Led the league in stolen 34, bases. 34, 51, 36. I mean, I'm trying to look <laughs> at his number. Th- 39, 38, 28. Right? right? I'm trying to figure it. 39 home runs, 102, uh, 38. 41 th- stolen bases. 38, 35. I mean, his... Washington, he had one 40-40 season. That was the only one in his career in 2006. His best years were probably with Texas. I mean, the two years that he was with Texas were fantastic. He really was. Yeah, 36-104, hit 268. One year with the Yankees, though, was his only 300-hitting season, though. Yeah. With with the 39 home runs and 41 stolen bases. That probably was his best year. That was his best year. Led the league in run scores. That was his best year. 2002 with the Yankees. I mean, he had a a great career. I mean... If you look, 412 home runs. I mean, if Alfonso got over 500 home runs, he's a Hall of Famer. 
He really is. I mean, he lied about his age, too. Alfonso Soriano. Oh, yeah, that, that was Damn. the story. When he came to the Yankees, supposedly he was three years older than he was, but he claimed he was. When he came into the league, I think he claimed he was like 21 when he was 24 or something like that. <laughs> wow. Or something like that. So, I mean, he, he could have played longer, you know, but – Hey, listen, Alfonso Soriano had a fantastic career. He really did. I mean, did you see how big he got? Did anybody see the pictures, how big Alfonso Soriano got? He's muscular, man. He's built like a rock. Fantastic. Do you want to get into this Michigan situation? I I mean, did you see what happened? Did everybody see what happened with Michigan? I I mean, the Wolverines. I don't blame Jordan Howard at all. Um, Jordan Howard, sorry. Listen, uh, Carl texted me. Uh, when this was going on, he says, did you see what Jawan Howard did? And I, said, I said, what are you talking about? He says, he's like, he's like, go check out the video of Jawan Howard getting into a fist fight on the sidelines. And I, I see, you know, I watched the replay on YouTube and I watched how it escalated. You heard what Jawan Howard was saying, gets into a pushing, shoving contest. And all of a sudden, you know, Jawan starts to throw punches <laughs> Uh, in a group, in, in like a, and here's the thing, and I, I'm going to say this uh, as somebody that wants to teach and and wants to work with young kids and 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 teach young kids how to play the game. You are a basketball coach. You're making a lot of money. You played in the final. What was it? Final four last year, right? It was almost final, they lost to you. Final. I'm sorry, the elite eight. eight. You went into the lead eight last year. No, but you're right. He wasn't in the final four. I think he was in the national championship. As a player. Right. Yeah. You you earned your respect your first year to take your team to the lead eight. You had a very you, you had practically your whole recruiting class back this year. Uh, you were one of the favorites to winning the whole thing, the whole <coughs> national championship this year. And the last five, six games of the Michigan Wolverines, they have laid up lousy goose eggs. This team playing teams that they should beat. They should beat some of the teams that they've played. They've been embarrassed by quite a few teams that they should have won. Now, understand that you get frustrated as a coach on the sidelines. Understand that uh, the players that are not playing at the top of their game, they're, they're not healthy, they have four or five injuries, they're not, they're, the lineup's not in, the, you know, not, uh, not in question, <coughs> what whatever it is. To go on the sidelines and throw punches at another coach, not only is it an embarrassment, it embarrasses your school, it embarrasses your community, it, it embarrasses your players, it embarrasses everything. How could your players trust that when something goes sour in a a, a March Madness game and your team is down by 20 points in the first half of the game, in the second half, you're going to be able to calm your team down, coach your team, come back, and win that game after what you saw over the weekend. That not only was an embarrassment to the school – it was embarrassing to Jawan Howard, who was very well respected, not only in college basketball, but throughout the NBA. You you look at Jawan Howard's career. Jawan Howard had a very good career in the NBA. He was a good player for like 10, 10 plus years before he became a bench player 
He was a good player. And then you see him starting to throw punches with a, an assistant coach, right? It was the assistant yeah, coach. Yeah, it was the Wisconsin, I think, quality control coach or something like that. An assistant coach because he said something on the sidelines that upsetted you. I mean, what could somebody say to you? You're making millions and millions of dollars. Well, let's not go there because I'm sure there's a few words he could have been called that would have triggered a punch. He didn't say anything racist. I'm, I'm not saying racist. So Nothing sure came out words. that anything was said racism. Nothing. It was, it was pretty much, you know, back and forth banter, what most coaches would say on the bench, that you stink, you're a terrible coach, your team st- stinks, go up, go F yourself, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you throw punches at him. You're a six foot ten, two hundred and forty, two hundred and thirty pound, you know, basketball ex basketball player, and you're trying to teach your kids from right and wrong, and you're throwing punches. <laughs> I mean, it's an embarrassment. And here's the thing: the NCAA with these suspensions. I saw the Wolverines suspended Joan Howard, I, which I think it's a joke. Okay, yes, he's not getting paid for the games that he's missing. He's still making millions of dollars. If they get into the, they get into March Madness, the the coaches get a boost. He's going to make all that money back. Right now, according to Joe Lenardi's bracketology, they are one of the last four teams in. They're getting it. So they would be probably one of those playing eleven seeds. They're getting it, and and, and they're going to be a hard out. I'm telling you, nobody's going to want to play Michigan in any of those games because they're a good team, and and they can get hot. They're good. They they're good. They can get healthy and hot, and they're going to be very hard to beat. So, I mean, so you sit back and you say, what should the NCAA do with these coaches? That they're doing these things. This is the first time we've seen this before. If it's not the players, it's the, these coaches should be controlled on the sidelines. So, here's what I have thought. And, and if I put things together, if I was running the NCAA and I was on the board right now, coaches should not leave their seats more than a certain amount of times a game. You should have a certain amount of times that you can get up and you before, you know, before, you know, during play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not when you're calling timeouts. You can stand up and talk to your players and do whatever the hell you're doing. But during the game, you should not be able to stand up a certain amount of times. Because what it does is it stirs up whatever it is, not only with the crowds. It stirs up whatever you're saying that the other coaches can hear you moving back and forth on the sidelines. Something is being said, and it has been said on these sidelines that these coaches are saying and these other coaches are hearing. I think the NCAA needs to do something about that. If a coach throws a punch, automatically should be suspended 10 games. Not one, not two. They should be suspended for 10 games. That tells the coach, you stand up and you throw a punch, you better be ready for the consequences. How many college games are played before the March Madness? What is it, like 30? It's about 28 to 30, depending on how the conference tournaments play So if you out. miss 10 games, you're missing almost more than a quarter of the season. Right, and you're going to that would be the entire Big Ten tournament too. There's five more regular season games. That was what he was suspended for, and then what, whatever, however far they end up going in the Big Ten tournament, which right now they're sixth. Right now they would be the sixth seed out of the the twelve teams. Then how far they would go then would would determine on probably probably three more games if they win it. 
So that would be eight games, and then you end up with the first round of March Madness, too, in that case. And that would also determine where their seeding is, too. Now, if they win the Big Ten, they're going to be a higher seed than what they are now. And he's not going to miss ten games. No, he's already been suspended for five. Yes, and that's it. Yeah, and it seems like the Big Ten maybe had some leeway into <laughs> not pushing it where it's yep. going to affect their tournament, too. Now, the Big Ten tournament is still going to be tough anyway because Purdue's loaded. Michigan State's always very good. They got Ohio State, who they're I don't really squeak love. In. Wolver- yeah. The Wolverines are going to squeak into this March Madness, and, and they're not healthy. They're going to get healthy, and I- I'm telling you, nobody, if they're 11th or 12th seed, nobody's going to want to play them in the first round. I'm telling you right now, nobody's going to want to play Michigan in the first round, especially if they get healthy. Yeah, so it's still going to be tough anyway, though, with the, the way the seeding works out for them to do it. But still, because they've been pesky in the past, as I mentioned, they've made the tournament as a play-in team a lot of the time. They've won tournament games as a play-in team. That would still justify the fact that they would eventually accumulate to that 10-game margin. So Jawan Howard, in those particular instances, are still being there, is obviously going to supply the boost if he has, does end up coaching. Because he was coach of the year last year mm-hmm. in the entire NCAA, and he deserved it. He did a very good job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he also did for a one-year turnaround with a couple of players lost. And also in the tournament, too, with all the players they had injured, they made it all the way to the Elite Eight. They shouldn't have lost to UCLA the way they did. They only put up, I think, 49 points or something in that game. But still, it was an impressive I mean, run. They beat the Florida State, a good team. LSU was a good team. It's an beat. embarrassment. It is an absolute embarrassment what what the Wolverines and and, 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 and just suspending him five games to me is 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 a joke. I, I, I mean, I guess it was may, a joke. I guess maybe you're throwing full punches. Okay, you're throwing haymakers on the sidelines in front of your players, your kids. You're teaching these kids not to do this, and you're doing it. You're a grown man. You played in the NBA. You played college basketball. You were in the Final Four. You had a chance to win a national championship. And then you, last year, you took this team to an Elite Eight. You got all your players back. None of them really went into the NBA. You brought them all back. You were ready to win this year. And then you laid up all, the last five games, four games. You're not playing good basketball. You're embarrassment. And I don't want to hear the injuries. When you have one of the best recruiting classes in the nation, okay, you had one of the best recruiting classes last year and one of the top ten recruiting classes this year, you can't make that excuse sitting here today and telling me, well, you know, they were in the, the Elite Eight last year. So what? They, they'll, they'll get into March Madness. It doesn't really matter. They did a great job. You were expected to win now. Now. They were ranked top five at the start of the season, so they definitely Keith, had some kind of justification. Keith Rooney says five games is ridiculous. I, five games, he should be suspended for ten games. I don't know if you say five games is not enough, but... I, yeah, it, it, it's a little more it should be, just because you have to penalize at least for the Big Ten tournament and make it harder for them. You threw punches at another coach. You you landed two of them. I think he landed two of them. Yeah, he landed definitely one on the shoulder, and then he tried. I think he tried to swing another one and uh, hit and hit, tried to hit his right shoulder or his head or something like that, and he just missed it or grazed it or something. I, and then uh, Eli Brooks, one of their star guards, was throwing was also throwing punches too on, on one of the players too. Now the assistant coach, I think, got suspended as well for oh, a couple Keith, of games. Keith is saying at least ten. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Errol was saying ten. I think. Definitely into the Big Ten tournament they should be because five games is just the regular season. So 
no matter how badly you would end up finishing in the Big Ten, you're still going to be in the Big Ten tournament. It's not like a pro sports bracket that has a particular amount of wild cards. You're not eliminated. Everyone still gets a shot. <laughs> Look at Georgetown last year. The run they had fluky run to get in to win the I Big East that, tournament. Yeah. yeah, and then they got blown out in the tournament. And Patrick Ewing, by the way, uh, I his college career as a head coach is 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 really coming to an end. I mean. He just extended him. No, I, to me, yeah, they extended him for what? He's he's done nothing. Yeah, his, what his, is, tenure, what, his tenure was rough in the what, beginning. They only extended him because of his name. His, his career is done. They only extended him because if, let's say, they fire him next year, he still has that contract. He doesn't have to get another job. He's still under contract with the the George Washington um, Hoyas. Hoyas. So it, they extended him, yes, because of his name, not because of what he's done. I mean – he he had a good he, last year. His recruiting class was pretty good. Uh, not, I mean, it's not going to be as strong as the rest of the Big East because no. it's it's tough, especially now with UConn back in there now too, and they're going to get a lot with the basketball. Reputation. He's horrible. Yeah, he's been he, horrible. He, Look at what and they've they lost. The biggest thing that hurt them the most was losing Mac McClung too, who individually was one of the best players in the Big East when he was there, and then he transfers over to Texas Tech. Texas, he becomes a. He's, I don't know if he was their best player at Texas Tech every year because uh, they also had Culver in certain years. Uh, Kyler Edwards was a nice player too, but they had him fit in nicely on that team. And now Georgetown's kind of seeking that kind of thing. And again, I don't know if one fluky run is necessarily going to justify everything else he did as a coach because Georgetown used to be a consistently good tournament team. Now, they were never a great offensive team. They had some good de- de- defensive teams, but... They still had a consistently good program amidst all that. Uh, Keith said he should be suspended for the rest of the season. Georgetown and, and Georgetown is horrible. They're horrible. They're a horrible basketball team. And I, yeah, I, I think George, the Hoyas obviously extended Patrick Ewing because of who he is. He's got Ryan Matumbo on the team, too, uh, Dikembe Matumbo's son. Oh, wow. Yeah, which. Uh, He's no good. The, the big the man representatives. No, he's not. He's not that. I, I, I don't know how big. He's 6'2". No, I mean, I know, I'm, just two. Say, I'm just he's saying the influence. Two. Yeah, it's Matumbo's son. And, uh. and I li- listen. And, and by the way, Dikemi Matumbo played for the Hoyas. Um, but looking looking at this team and this roster, this team, when you look at the, the, the recruiting class the last two years, this team should be a top, you know, Big East team. And they're just not <laughs> six and twenty this year. Let's see. They're that's horrible. Just they're not making. They're not making the tournament. And <laughs> they're zero and fifteen in Big East play this year. I mean, it, it, and they extended Patrick Ewing. I, I I'm sorry. They're, Villanova won new two national championships in the last seven eight years. Okay, that you extend a coach. What has Patrick Ewing done for the Hoyas? How many? How many? How many Big East championships have they won? Just the one last year that I can think of. One Big East championship in four years as a head coach. Okay? And and they and they haven't even done anything in the, the March Madness. They usually they didn't anyway in their defense. They in his defense they didn't do it with their previous coaches either. They always Doesn't they were matter. always out the first weekend. I, I don't know what Patrick Ewing's making, but he must be making a pretty damn dollar on this. Yeah, I mean, like Keith was saying, it, it's more of the namesake <laughs> that might attract, I guess, more big men to come or something like that. I don't know. He just says Matumbo's son. I mean right. who cares? I mean Matumbo's son's is he an NBA player? Probably not. I mean, seriously, it, it's just Horrible! It's horrible. I, I mean, uh, Keith says, uh, "Read what he's saying." Okay. Uh, uh, I yeah, I agree. He's only there because of his name. 
And yeah, George sounds horrible. Yeah, we were just we were just listing that off key. Yeah, zero and fifteen in conference play. Granted, the Big East is very good, but still, that's horrible. I just think with college bad, I can't wait until March Madness, which is about a week and a half, two weeks away. I can't wait for it. It's the best time of year. It really is. If you guys like to bet, bet, and and obviously play the bracket, it, it, this is the best time for basketball. I, I, you go to a bar and you want to sit there and just chill out and eat food and just watch the games. There's like, especially the first like two week, two days, right. the two days you, you're watching like 16 games and in, in, in like every single day. Right. They I split mean, up the first round of 64. They'll split it up 16 and 16. I mean, you're, you're watching great basketball throughout the day. It's so fun to watch and, and you watch the game winning shots. You watch the next future NBA players, uh, you know, really play back and forth great basketball. But honestly, this year, out of any of the years, uh, there is not a foregone conclusion where, while well, that team, everybody keeps talking about Gonzaga. Gonzaga never wins. <laughs> they never finish it. They never win. Now Don't they actually gonna... have the recruiting, though, so it helps a little bit. But still, now that actually puts more pressure on them, too, to try to finish Gonzaga it off. Gonzaga, <laughs> I'm willing to bet anybody. You pull out your, you, you pull out your pads and your bets. Gonzaga is not winning this year. I don't get how good they are. What are they undefeated right now? Yeah, yeah, the one loss just to Alabama. I'm sorry, getting the season. They have one loss. Gonzaga doesn't even make the. I don't think they make the Final Four. Okay, you could take that to the bank. You could bet on that. Uh, Moneyline Mania. You're hearing this. Errol's making a bet. Mm-hmm. I, 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 there is no way Gonzaga makes the Final Four. Snuck says, yep, I never schedule meetings for the first Thursday and Friday. <laughs> yes, it's always good to try to uh, sneak around, to, even when I was in school, too, to try to sneak around to watch the games. Because they start early, too. They start at, like, 12, and then they just go on all day. It's fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. It's the best time of year. But, it, really. but this year also, too, it's also interesting in terms of the conference discrepancy, too. Usually you think of the Big East and the ACC, and then it's the Big Ten. It's kind of the other way around this year, where you have the, the Pac-12 is kind of top-heavy, but they have some powerhouses with UCLA, with USC. Oh, uh, I can't wait to watch UCLA play in the, in this tournament. Now, they're, they're an interesting role reversal because they did so good Ooh. as an underdog last year. Now now they're going to have a little more pressure as the favorite. As Keith, we... Keith will take that bet. He says, final four, Ooh, I will take okay. that bet. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll make that bet. I'll, I'll bet you 20 bucks. I bet you 20 bucks that uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga does not, Gonzaga Bulldogs don't make the final four. Now, the other thing, too, which is interesting, is their conference actually has been a little better than previous years, too. But again, that also is going to put more pressure on them, too. It's going to be the same level until they can get over the hump because they always choke. Now, they've been steady in terms of not getting like the early round upsets. They're steadily, I think, the last six years into the Sweet 16. But now taking that next step with all these top recruits now, they have to do better than that. And that'll be a big test for them this year if they do end up having to face some deeper teams because the. Outside of the ACC and probably the Big 12, because the Big 12 is a little more top ACC has been absolutely jumped down this year. year. Down. Really, really down. The Big 12 has been kind of top heavy. The Pac 12 has some good teams, but the SEC, the Big East, and the Big 10 are the three with the deepest. In college, pool. In college, in college basketball, I'm an ACC guy. Obviously, I'm a Duke fan. I, I follow the, the Blue Devils really since I was a kid. As everybody knows, I'm a Bobby Hurley fan. So, I, I, Tyler, you're a Duke fan too. So, but this year, I, I know this is Coach K's last year. They haven't looked good. I mean, I mean, they're they're obviously they're seventh. A, I think right a now. madness team. Yeah. I, 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 they're what are they? Are they seventh? They're number seven in the nation, so they probably be as projected now a two seed. I don't trust that this team is going to make it. I, I really don't because 
They don't have the inside game that they used to have with the rebounding and stuff. They are a good shooting team. Duke right. is a very good but shooting Pantero team. Pontero and Griffin are both nice players. Yes, they, they are. They're going to be top first-round draft picks in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I, I just – I this year, they're not a good rebounding team. They're going to have a lot of problems with these big, strong teams that can out-rebound them. And, and there are a lot of great – there are a lot of great shooting teams, a lot of great shoot te- shooting teams going in this tournament. And uh, so if, if you can't out-rebound these teams that are shooting just as well as you are, you're not going to win. Uh, Keith says he's a UNC fan, buddy. And, yes, the ACC is down. I know he's a UNC fan. Uh-huh. I, 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 trust me, I know. Slex uh, says, certainly, Duke is Duke. They are on TV more than leave it to Beaver reruns. That's true. Uh, well, we should ask the Beaver that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's his area expertise. Or Slex likes to call him the Sultan of Coleslaw. By the way, as everybody sees, I'm wearing this stupid underwear on the top of my head. I lost a bet. I'm wearing I've got 17 spe- minutes. I'm wearing Speedy's old underwear on my head for this show. So for three hours, I, I've been contending with trying to keep my uh, hair under this underwear and uh, tight around my head, which is squeezing the hell out of my head. But mm-hmm. uh, yes. horrible. Yes, Keith also, he says the SEC is very good. They have been yeah, they very, yes, they have been very good this year. Kentucky's Watch out a, for Alabama, man. Alabama, Kentucky, yeah. LSU is a sleeper, too. They, they had a little bit of a downstretch in the beginning of the season, uh, the middle of the season, but they're playing well now. Auburn's been ranked number two for quite a while. They had a one-week ranked as number one. <laughs> they're they're going to be tough. They just made the Final Four three years ago, too. A lot of people forget about that. that they should have Alabama- beaten Virginia. <laughs> Alabama's going to be one of my Final Four teams. I, I think Alabama's dangerous this year. They were dangerous last year. They got a lot of players coming. They had a lot of players coming back. Uh, I... I, I I was very surprised they got knocked out the way they did well, last year. freaking free throws. <laughs> yes, but um, I expect them to be even more dangerous going into this tournament this year, and I expect them to go far. I really do. I think they're going to compete, and they're a good rebounding and shooting team. So uh, a lot of length, especially at the guard position. Now, Tennessee is another interesting one, too, in the SEC, Keith, to, to add on to your point. The only problem with them is Rick Barnes has never been a good tournament coach, so can they turn that kind of thing around, too? Yeah. Now, then again, we thought that with certain teams, too, with – like look at look at Baylor the way they turned around last year and they won a national championship because they were always a bad playoff team too. Same thing with te- same thing with a team like Virginia that won their national championship after getting upset by a 16 seed. But it made it all worth it. Tyler, so, are you a big college fan? Are you do you, you follow college basketball? Um, no, it's ironic <clears throat> that you mentioned that because I was I wasn't ignoring you guys. I was trying to figure out. Stony Brook had a really good. I've, I've, they're not making 2015. No, no, they're not. 2015, no, I think, but, was their tournament. Oh, I, yes. yes, no, but there was a player, and I know he transferred from Stony Brook, and I know he went out west. I don't know why I thought he went to UCLA. He went to Cal, not UCLA, but I was trying to figure out where he went. Yeah, Cal hasn't been good with basketball since 2016. Nope. No, but Mikhail Foreman could have went anywhere. And honestly, had he stayed right. Stony Brook, he, he, was, he was freaking good, man. Mm-hmm. No, it's Stony Brook has had a lot of good players uh, that came out and played good college basketball. Never really got over the hump to make the NBA. But uh, I think w- when you look at this this tournament, this is the first year that there is no predominant got team that stands out to me that says that team's winning the national championship or they're definitely going to be there. Because as good as Gonzaga is and, and how, how dominant they've been this year, you can't trust the team. I don't they're trust them. I, I, I don't trust them. I, they gotta come out of the big four. They're players. a good. They're a big team that can shoot. Here's the problem: when they fall behind, Gonzaga has a problem. You know, competing when when they're they're ten points behind another team. They play catch up. They're always playing catch up throughout that game, and they they can never really get that lead. And they play. That's the that to me when you when you're watching the 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 tournament. 
you see that. It's back and forth. You're up five, you're down five. You're up five, you're down five. You're up ten, you're down ten. I don't know if Gonzaga this year is a team that could play catch-up, where I trust them, where uh, if they fall behind against a really good team or a team uh, you know, later, and I don't think it's going to be early, but I think in the third or fourth round, before like the Sweet 16, I could see Gonzaga getting knocked out in the Sweet 16. Now, they've been steady in terms of not getting knocked out before then, but in the Sweet 16 is when they could get to those tougher four or five seats, which I think this year looks like it could kind of be this kind of year with the way the SEC is and the Big Ten. Uh, Keith says, I like the Alabama call. Snoke says, I have it on good authority that Alabama basketball will now f- and forever be as good as Alabama football. No. Uh, Keith says, Kentucky. <laughs> yes, Kentucky's going to be very good, too. They got a lot of Gonzaga size. Gonzaga has two losses. Oh, they do have two losses. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, they lost to Duke as well. Okay, I didn't realize that. So they lost to Duke and they lost to Alabama, both at the beginning of the season. They did beat UCLA. Uh, and UNC, by the way. UNC has played well this year at certain as certain parts of the season. They looked horrible against Duke early in the season. They looked bad. And obviously they've gotten better and, and, and UNC is definitely a tournament team. They're making the tournament. Right now projected a ten. Yes. They're they're making the tournament, but I, I just there is something about the ACC this year that just doesn't scare me. I, I like I said, the only consistent ACC team back and forth this year has been Duke. Right. I mean, being that they're their seventh seed. But I don't trust Duke because, again, I'm a Duke fan. I've watched a couple of games this year. They're not the rebounding team year in and year out they've been. And I, I'm telling you, when they play these big teams, if they have to play <laughs> Purdue or somebody oh, like they're that. they're going to have trouble with Purdue. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're, huge. they're not going to be able to compete with them because Purdue, they could shoot and they <laughs> can rebound. <laughs> and, and, and they, they have a, the there is a very good chance they could fall in the bracket with Purdue. Yeah, so, if, it could be a 2-3 matchup potentially down the road if that ends up coming to that or 1-4. Right I'm picking Villanova. Yeah, that, that's a, they're always a good bet because they're getting a lot of players back from last year, too. They were another team like Michigan that had all those injuries right at the end of the season. Uh, Keith says last year the ACC was weak, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they still had – the difference is they still had still some top teams. Virginia was still a four seed. Florida State was still a four seed. They had the, they still had a good realm. This year, Duke is really the only thing that's going to be probably a top nope. five in terms of just the whole bracket tournament seed. Miami's good. In Which is crazy to sound because the like ACC's Miami, always been the best. Yeah, they always have been. Miami's good in comparison to where they usually are, but they've fallen apart kind of in the middle of the season. North Carolina's still a tournament team, but not great. Virginia's kind of on that borderline where it's going to be hard for them to do because they're 17 and 10 right now. So they have a lot, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of different options and Duke being the only real threat of the, of the conference play. Now, in the conference tournament, that could obviously change because if other teams do well, then, yeah, then you're going to change the seedings around. But still. I like Baylor, too, this year. I like Baylor, too. Uh, this is another year that Baylor is dangerous. Again, very good shooting team. Baylor is as dangerous as any team. I, again, and you know who's been very surprising this year? Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been very they're, good. They're too. actually one of my big threats, Texas Tech, because they're very – even without Chris Beard, they're, the coach they brought in has been very well coached. They got a good system, and they, they really kept it together going, I guess, hiring in-house. I don't trust – I know you guys said Villanova. I don't trust Villanova this year. I, they were always been a good defensive team. Uh, they're also playing in, in a division where – they're the best. They're always the best. So being that they're twenty one and six right now, they're fourteen three fourteen and three in the Big East. That's not crazy to argue about. I mean, the Big East is better this year than they have they've been over the last couple of years. But how much better is the Big East? I mean, Providence is good. 
and Villanova. Besides that, who's good? UConn's been good this year. I, Creighton's still up there as a... As, you like UConn this year? I, I, they're better. They're 21. They've been consistently ranked all season. And they have, they have a lot of good scoring, good depth off the bench, too. Another good shooting I think team. they get eliminated early. They, they might. It depends on how the seeding goes with that because UConn doesn't have as much of a... They, because they just re-entered the Big East, they didn't get as much of the tougher... The, non-conference competition. However, though, they did beat Auburn at the beginning of the season, though, mm-hmm. who's right now number two. Mm-hmm. So they at least made the most of it. And that's that's what gives them an edge when it comes to battle testing. Now, Danny Hurley as a coach, we'll see how he is in the tournament. He wasn't great with uh, with Arizona State. But in terms of the talent on that team, is definitely good. And it's a quick turnaround from what they were having to deal with, with what happened with Kevin Ollie. And now a story coming out with Kevin Ollie being like it was wrongfully wrongfully fired or something like that from, Racism. from UConn. Yeah. Uh, no, it, no, it was something with the scandal that he was inducted for uh, turned out to be false with... Uh, so I, I think I forget the player's name off the top of my head, but well, it's stolen computers. Yeah, like that. it turned out to be false that he should have never been forced out. Why is it with UConn with these with these stories? <laughs> every single like every other year, there's a story that comes out that there's stolen things, players' stupidity on and off the court. I mean, it, this isn't the first time we've heard this before that with UConn. Why is it that this stuff happens over there? And, and obviously Calhoun is not there anymore, but uh, I, you know Ali was Calhoun's um, predecessor, whatever that yep. is his predecessor. And, and now all of a sudden they bring in. I, I, listen, Hurley is a nice. Danny Hurley is a good is a good coach. Uh, he's not Bobby. Okay, let, let's be honest. Bobby has been very successful um, where he has gone as, as a as a head coach, and obviously everybody knows about his father. Um, Danny Hurley has not been good in the tournament. He's never been good in the tournament. And, uh, he takes over UConn, a team that has been obviously a good tournament team. Right. I mean, they're always good, a tough out. So, a very yeah. good recruiting team. I, I don't trust. I, I don't trust uh, UConn this year. I, I think UConn gets eliminated pretty early when when they make this tournament. Uh, Keith says the more you guys talk, there are more at least ten teams that could win. What do you yes. think? UConn just beat Villanova. I don't know if they're ready for a, a winning a national not winning. championship. Villanova's not winning this year. Villanova, I would say, is one of the ten. I would not. I would you not. Think Villanova has a chance to win this year. Uh, yeah, I do because I think they still have a good core together. A lot of a lot of seniors, very well coached with Jay Wright. I, again, I would not call them the favorite, but I, I definitely would put them in the realm, depending on where the bracket ends up falling. If I were to pick a favorite right now, I'd probably say either Auburn or Kentucky. But in terms of in terms of being one of the ten, yeah, I'd put them there. Um, I, I, I want obviously I want Duke to win. I mean, I'm a Duke fan. I want to see them win. I, I can see, see that. I can still see it because like I a want special to see, run type yeah, thing. I would love to see Coach K. Well, they, I mean, the record shows that they're still a good team. Right. But I just think they have flaws is in their rebound. Mm-hmm. I, I just I think that if they wind up playing and they match up against Arizona or Purdue, these teams they're very and Kentucky. Yeah, these are rebounding teams that mm-hmm. that are going to give them problems. Kentucky and Purdue would be the two biggest nightmares from that because Kentucky has arguably the best big man in the nation, definitely in the SEC, which yeah. should be way. And, and I, I think that's the problem with Duke. I, I don't think they're the rebounding team. Uh, they were over the last couple of years with the big man with Williams and all the different people that they've had, uh, you know, uh, Okafor. I mean, right. this is not this is not that Duke team that you can say, hey, this is a good rebounding team. They're a good shooting team, and it, and when they get hot, they're they're very hard to beat. Duke is Duke, Duke can you know I've seen them shoot like where they hit eight or nine three pointers in a row, mm. but then I've also seen them <laughs> where 
They go up and down the court, and they can't hit a shot, and they can't out-rebound. They, they, get, they get in their own way. So, And you're going to say, well, look at their record. They're, they've only lost four games this year. That's great. The games that they lost, it really showed that they lost. And the games that they won, they didn't win by much. So Stark says, I'm pretty sure that Mr. Ollie is going to get paid. I believe that, too. Kansas is very good. Kansas yeah, Kansas is good, too. Uh, Keith says that's true about UConn. Uh, UConn isn't that good, but they've made a lot of progress. Uh-huh. Stark says, I love Jay Wright. He totally looks like a Batman villain. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Keith, that's kind of what I'm thinking. They're going to be they're, – they're not going to be a, a championship team this year. They might make a Sweet 16, but I don't see them going much further than that because they're still very young. But they are very deep, though, too, another mm-hmm. team that shoots very well. And then they played tough against good competition, too, where that'll help them be battle-tested come tournament time. It's just, again, a difference of a different coach now, too, which is the same problem certain other teams have. I was saying Texas Tech was being good, but they also have a new coach, too. So what are you going to do with that? So it'll be an interesting kind of thing because newer coaches are starting to reemerge as as teams that make the Final Four now. Look at last year. Scott Drew never made a Final Four. Mick Cronin was always choked. He was the king of choking at Cincinnati when they were in with the with the Bearcats when he was there. And all of a sudden, he goes to UCLA. They're a Final Four team now. Gonzaga, I mean, I guess they're Gonzaga. And then uh, Houston, another team. <laughs> another team that was always choke-prone, too. So it might be some new ways for these new coaches, though, too. So I wouldn't trust the inexperience as being <laughs> negative. It is going to be very well, interesting. The made me sick. What, the boxers? Well, then they made me sick. Why did they make you sick? They weren't on your head. Well, well, I don't know. They weren't sitting on your forehead. I mean, it, they they should be. I mean, block the, you know, the yarmulke of that, you know, that hole in your head, you know? How is your hair doing over there? Dude, you know, I want to, can we do that? It, well, let's make a bet, because you, you, you haven't worn that dress that you lost. I mean, for years. I, in the be- I said wear a dress, and um, I was buying Yeah, dress. well. We need to get you like if I bought Rogaine for men. You think you, you know, you would. You know, we could do that on the show. I can get no, some Rogaine. Because, no, why I, not? I don't understand why I would want to grow hair back just to lose it again. Well, what's wrong with having Rogaine for men? Nothing. I think it would look good on you. I, I think it would look like him. Speed. What do you think? You think you need Rogaine for men? I couldn't tell you anything about that. How about if we cut some of your head, your hair off your head with your greasy no, hair? That'd be a little on, weird. That would look weird. On top of his head? <laughs> yeah, that would look weird. <laughs> Why would it that look would look weird? like a half toupee or something? Like that. It would look good on you. I, I think it would. Tyler needs some more hair on that head. You more know? or less. More or less. You see, you, you help him out. No, I know. I just, I just think that would look weird if you just replace some random strands of my hair and just fill oh. the bald spot. Did you see what uh, Snug wrote over here? If there is a bed, maybe the lunar has to pet winner's hair, shaved eyebrows. The loser has to pet winner's hair, shaved eyebrows. Well, whatever that means. Uh, yeah. Yes, you pet the. I don't know. Anyway. Anyways. This is fun. It, it has been. Uh, Anyways, uh, who do we have tomorrow? Steve? So tomorrow we have the, the ESPN, the Katie, the ESPN. Oh, she's coming on? She's coming on tomorrow at, right. uh, at 10 p.m. Right. Uh, Katie Hennessy is her last name. And then at 11 p.m. She is uh, ESPN talent, talent director. Director. And so. then at 11 p.m., uh, returning to the show, mm-hmm. he was on in the summer of 2020. He works for uh, PackToTheFuture.com, uh, Ralph Mancini. He will be Ooh. returning to the show. He was the one you had that argument with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers with. Way back. This uh, was uh, 2020. He, he also yes. thinks Favre is better? Uh, he did. I believe that. Uh, no, he, I think he thought Rodgers was better. I think Errol v- argued for Favre at that yes. time, if I remember correctly. But he also, he also did a lot of NFL draft stuff. He also does a lot of NFL draft stuff, too. Great. So I like Martin Mancini. He, he yeah. was really, really good, actually. Yeah. So he'll be we coming back on tomorrow. Very funny guy, too. Yeah. 
Very, very funny. So oh, we got Mr. Mancini. Mancini coming back. Mancini, where's a beanie? Something that Tyler, a.k.a. Mothball slash Duff Harrison needs, right? Right, Tyler? You good over there? No, not yet. But anyways, <laughs> uh, great show. I'd like to thank uh, ex-NFL player, obviously Packers, Panthers, and Seahawks guard Mike Wall for joining us. He was fantastic. Uh, great interview. Really great personality. Really gave us an insight of Brett Favre when he played with Brett Favre in his career and, and his career in the background of playing offensive line now and, and in the past. So shout out to Mike Wall for joining us. Uh, like uh, Speedy says, we have Katie, uh, you know, a talent director from ESPN joining us tomorrow, Mr. Mancini, uh, good NFL guy, very, uh, very smart guy and a big smart ass. So you'll really like him. Uh, there'll be a lot of banter back and forth with me and him, I'm sure, tomorrow. I guess that's it. Uh, thank you to all the fans that listen to us every single day. Keep downloading our app. Go to IR, uh, iOS. It's free. WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, again, thank you to the fans. We will be back tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Until then, this is Errol Mark, Speedy Petey, and Mr. Duff himself, Harrison. Tyler? You over there? You all right over there with that beat? I'm freezing. I want to go home. Freezing? What are you, like a little girl? By the way, thank you, Keith. He's a good show, good gentleman. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Uh, what's wrong with you? I'm cold. Cold? What are you, sick? <coughs> no. I've been coughing this whole show as a rouse. <laughs> are you aroused? Are you arousing yourself? No. <coughs> all right. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.